genie pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The cheeky vines and sugar dimes, can't quit, what? Now pop the cork and see the vega and get lit, what? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven with levitation from reefers, drenching defense, and these seven show bolting with rugas, flash mines, Bellafonte Jigger. Let's get forward this birth as what we up? confiscate your figures. Yes, 902 to noon is here. Nordo in for PA. PA off today. Manana. Friday, it'll be a charge led feast. Back on Monday because, uh, Vikings training camp, ahoy. <laughs> Hoping, I don't know the official news yet, nor to win for PA. Uh, maybe we'll be out there. I, I don't know how all of that's going to come together. I know Chad Abbott and those in related to uh, VEN, etc. We're just working hard trying to make that work. But uh, joining me right out of the gates before we get to the TimberTech set list, Stump the Snob, Burke Bit during the 11 a.m. hour, Always controversial there. Uh, Justin Gard hanging out in studio with me. Good morning, sir. How are you, man? Good to see you. Producers helping producers is what we do. Producers helping producers. And you in here this early is a little bit abnormal, but I'm excited because I believe you recorded an interview we'll get to hear back during your show today. Is that accurate? Uh, almost accurate. I recorded an interview with Paul Molitor for the Golden Gopher podcast, thing oh, that sweet. I do every single week. There's a thing called podcast now that we actually at the fans started doing in 2005, but the rest of the world caught up about a decade ago. And um, okay. the Golden Gopher podcast is one of those that I've been doing for a year. And Paul Molitor is going into the College Baseball Hall of Fame, which is kind of amazing that he wasn't already in it, but he's going in this year. and so um, He's just getting in now? Into the College Baseball Hall of Fame, yeah. He's been to Cooperstown for like 15 years, but okay. so he had to um, tape it a little bit early because he's got some stuff going today. So Maybe I, he was a late bloomer. Maybe he was. I'm not sure. But, was so, he a walk-on? Uh, no, but he actually, not to um, go deep in the weeds on this because I know you got a schedule, he was drafted by the Cardinals in, out of high school in like the 26th round and was kind of hoping just to play professional baseball, it sounds like, or he said, I might take the opportunity. Like, scholarships for baseball weren't really a big thing back then. Yeah. They split them all up. So, But he couldn't agree on a signing bonus with the St. Louis Cardinals out of high school. They offered him four. He wanted 10000 And so he said, lucky for me, Dick Siebert called, gave me a little bit of a scholarship, and I went to the U, and the rest is history. Well, that's sweet. It's cool. So that's going to drop, I think, tomorrow. But that's why I'm in here this early, because when uh, HOF, as you would say, 9 to noon, says I got to do it at 8, you got to do it at eight, so I'm here. Um, I'm here for you for the next segment. No, and I appreciate it because very timely indeed that you're here. Uh, yesterday was announced that, and we heard from the Pac-12. We've heard things from the Big 12, even into the evening last night, etc. Uh, the A topic for us as Golden Gopher sports fans is that fall sports have uh, been kicked down the road, postponed until at least the spring. They'll quote unquote try to play. Yeah. Uh, among those sports, of course, would include. Um, Golden Gophers football. And so, uh, you know, being the sideline guy, as long as you have been as close to that program in general, uh, you're basically, you're, you're breaking bread, having Thanksgiving dinner with Patino, you and PJ, uh, you're friends with Mrs. PJ Fleck. I, I know all of these things. Uh, your, your quick twitch, your immediate reaction, uh, or a day after reaction to, uh, to that news. Buzzkill. Terrible. Sad. Annoying. Um, a lot of different, um, a lot of different emotions about it. Even though I knew it was probably coming, I've been saying for maybe the last month or six weeks, I have a hard time believing that they're going to try to play, and mostly because I know how seriously they're taking what the doctors are telling them, and whatever you think about what the doctors are telling them, telling them, and there's, this, and I'm talking about the Big Ten, and there's differing opinions, conference to conference, depending on medical experts, on what's safe to do, what's not safe to do. 
But I know that the Big Ten was always going to listen to their medical experts, and the message yesterday from Kevin Warren nationally, Mark Coyle with me last night, podcastable, was our doctors were too uncertain. They didn't have enough questions, or they didn't have enough answers to a lot of the questions that we're getting. And so we felt like now was the time to at least give the student-athletes and the players clarity on what was going to happen. And there's no guarantee they're going to play in the spring and what even that spring is going to look like. But they, for, um, they had the, because the doctors were uncertain, uh, they were certain about not continuing the season. Okay. Now, it, clearly this differs even university to university, although I think the voting process was overwhelmingly in favor mm-hmm. of postponing the season. Yeah. You know, whether there are schools that are having, I think, uh, you know, distance learning or kids back on campuses in the fall. You know the the one thing that surprises me though is I I always I I was on the other end of it and I'm a, as an outsider I always held on to optimism especially when a week ago they released the freaking schedule yeah and it felt like there was a massive sea change recently as if you know they kind of held on until the eleventh hour to go yeah we're just gonna we're gonna have to shut her down and this this whole thing sucks so were there any like ebbs and flows in optimism over the course of the summer yeah, well the reason I was the the only time I was ever optimistic is because I knew they would do anything to play basically because they need this money I mean some people call it a money grab it's not a money grab I mean they need the money to keep the athletic department basically afloat for the next couple of years we're gonna see we've already seen you know, schools cut sports. We've already seen schools make big cuts to their programs because they know the money's not going to be coming in. So there were times where I was optimistic. Um, it is interesting, and that was my biggest question yesterday, that I still don't think we've really gotten answered. Why they, you know, we know when they released the schedule, Kevin Warren even said, I, we might not play this, but we have to let people plan for it. And if we're going to play in a month, we need to start practicing for a month. But I can't imagine, and I just don't believe they expected the brakes were going to be slammed this quickly. I don't know if it was the mother from Indiana that wrote a Facebook post about her son getting it during one of the workouts, what it did to him, the trouble that he was then in. There was a report about myocarditis, a heart thing now. I think up to 10 Big Ten student-athletes have that, along with COVID-19, which is very dangerous to have if you're an athlete or regular person. Heart issues, not ideal, right? So I think those two things, from what I've heard, just kind of sniffing around here the last couple of days, those two things gave them great pause, and that's what changed so dramatically. And I, I don't know, the other question I have, Nordo, is I don't know why they weren't cool with saying, let's see if we can move it down further. Let's maybe buy us a couple of more weeks or another month and try to do it in October. Yeah. They put out a schedule to have a bunch of flexibility to try to get all these games in, but it doesn't sound like that was ever really necessarily considered. So um, the timing of it is a little weird, like you said, because the schedule was released, but... Um, they just, like I said before, they weren't able to um, get the answers they needed from the doctors to feel comfortable about putting them out there. And now they're going to have to wait and see what the other conferences do. The Big 12's got a meeting today. Uh, the uh, commissioner is going to uh, announce, I think, some new safety protocols. Rumor is they're going to try to move on with the season. ACC doctor says, I think it's safe. I think we're going to try to move on. And the SEC is not aware that there's a pandemic right now. Yeah, so they, they don't know. I don't think they've had to make any announcements. So that's that's the deal with the other conferences. And <laughs> that's what... I asked Mark Coyle this last night. He said no, which I expected him to say. Right. But I said, does it does it does it make you nervous that other conferences are moving forward? And what if they pull it off? Like that's a bad look for the Big Ten if it happens that way. I get why they're making the decision, but this decision that they're making doesn't come without risks down the road potentially as well. So we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, if they make this decision, Justin Gard, of course, uh, producer sidekick, bumper to bumper with Dan Barrero, sideline reporter for Gophers football. 
uh, whether it's in the fall or the spring. I think that they know that risk, though. I mean, ultimately, you know, you you have chosen this. They have to be choosing this path with confidence, right? Um, yeah, I, I think there's some certainty that they're trusting the doctors. I think they believe that they're making the right call for the safety of the student athletes, which is what they say is important. And I, I can't argue with that. But right? I mean, because even if the, if the SEC and ACC pull it off, quote unquote, or they, mm-hmm. they play a season, we'll, we'll see positive tests inevitably, just like we've seen in baseball and we'll see in the NFL. But if they pull it off, that should only provide more confidence where I know Justin Fields probably not suiting up for the Buckeyes. Oh, you mean to play in, in the spring, spring season? But now you're yeah. now you're filling the big house, now you're filling the shoe. Maybe. You're getting fans at TCF Bank Stadium. And and you're right, there there is some unknown to that. But that should give them confidence then that whatever they're going to do in the spring, that they can recoup that cash. Because well, you, maybe that, but the, we don't know for sure that fans are going to be able to go. I mean, when I say pull it off, like they, the, the, the conferences, I think, for the most part, are just going to play with no fans or very few fans. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I would imagine there's not going to be a lot of fans. What I think it does is infuriate everybody and Kevin Warren's back to TCO doing you know, Motivation Monday in person with, you know, with PA. You know, that's, well, that's what I worry about because truthfully, that's why I'm worried about it. Now, who knows? The whole thing could blow up for the other three conferences as well. Their doctors could come back and say no, but it's, um, it's going to be something to watch because. Isn't Warren just like Goodell though? I mean, he's doing the bidding for the school president. I'm not sure how it works. I would assume probably. But I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure like how that works. I mean, he just didn't get to cancel fall sports on his own. No, the president's had a big role in it. And, yeah. and, and so in that regard, I mean, you can be mad at Kevin Warren. And, and for me, as, as a guy that loves Kevin, I, the, I think we all do. The only thing that frustrates me about Kevin is you never get to the bottom of that well when it comes mm-hmm. to figuring out what he's trying, the point he's trying to get across. Are we getting the, the, the intel uh, he's very good at making you feel great about a situation, but not necessarily show his cards. If that makes yeah, sense. and that was um, apparent in his interview yesterday with the Big Ten Network, which I would recommend people go watch because it was fascinating to watch Dave Revson basically talking to his boss and more or less pressing him on, well, you didn't really answer my question. I need an answer on this question. I need an answer on that. What changed with the schedule? He also, you know, Nebraska's basically said, we're going to try to play. And he asked Kevin Warren, did Dave, well, can they do that? And right. he didn't really answer that, even though he asked him a couple of times. So, yeah, it's, um, like I said, I understand why this decision was made. I get it. You, we talk about the virus all the time on fan dads or otherwise. I completely understand it. Liability is the, is the main thing that they're worried about. They're responsible for the players. And whatever you think, whatever you believe about that, at the end of the day, they're responsible for what happens to the players on their campuses. If something should happen to them or one of their family members, Regardless of what the players are saying, we want to play, they're still in charge of them, and they couldn't get past what their doctors were telling them, and that's why there's not going to be a football season. But it is going to be, it is going to be, you're going to, you're going to go back to your doctors if the other conferences go through and play, and people maybe get it. Hopefully nobody dies, you know, because that's the, that's the biggest worry, right? right? Young kid gets it, young kid dies on your watch. What do you do? There's probably no coming back from that. So, there's there's a reason why they're not willing to take that risk. But but under that same logic, then I hope I don't see kids in schools. I hope I don't see even football in the fall. Because really, under if you're staying consistent with that logic, as it's purely, in schools, as it's purely health and safety, I think that if you're putting fifty thousand kids on campus purely from a number standpoint, 
you would have a higher percentage of positive tests and potentially health implications. However, in those situations, they can say these are the measures that we have in place we for social distance, for masks, masks for class sizes, Minnesota. for all of that. By definition, when you play sports, all of that is out the window. So, because I've I've heard that a lot, that's a common refrain, and it makes sense. I understand the point, but the distinction the schools are making is, hey, we're coming here. They're staying in the dorms. They're socially distant. Here's what we have. Here's what they can do. If they go to um, you know, if they go to the college club, you know, on uh, the old library, oh, yeah. or they go to Sally's. Uh, that's how old I am. It used to be the library. Nobody probably remembers that. Um, or Bobby Z's, I think. That might be around the corner. Regardless, um, you've got to, there's a reason I didn't graduate from the U, even though it was one of my schools. I understand. Um, you go to set, like they can't, because people say, well, college kids are going to be college kids. That's all true. And then yeah. they're going to have to make their own decisions on, on that. But in terms of the liability, you're asking somebody to go basically, you know, tackle a person or be in a huddle with a person or work out with a per- all those things. It's a high-risk activity. That's the distinction that the schools are making. And not everybody's going in cl- in person, by the way. I mean, the U is I going think it's most of the, very little. Distance, yeah. So Because the, the, people have said, well, it can't possibly be safe. You're right. That's why a lot of schools aren't doing it. Like, Nebraska's doing some. I think Iowa's doing some. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. Or they're getting them in and getting them out. I mean, they're trying They're trying to figure out a way to do it. But the point, it's it's worth discussing because that is a little bit of um. That is a little bit on, on both sides of it, but there's a, a big difference with sports and football and everything than just going to class. Uh, one or two more for you here, and I'll let you get home uh, and start figuring out what you're going to do. Apparently, you're, you're, you're starting this fall festival, What Should I Do With My Free Time? Yeah, uh, looking for sponsors, by the way, but Absolutely. go ahead. Absolutely. Um, I'm not expecting to see the mass exodus of, or maybe I'll see, I, I expect to see maybe some attempts, but I don't expect to see success in the world of, well, if they're not going to let me play, I'm just going to transfer. Because I think that would be, if you're the SEC or the ACC, do you want to allow that type of floodgate to occur? Yeah, I guess I'm curious what the philosophy would be on that. I don't anticipate it being successful, if that makes sense. Well, Maybe right I'm now, wrong. I don't. Yeah, like people are saying, well, the SEC coaches have got to be calling everybody from the Big Ten and saying, hey, Justin Fields, come on down here. I, I'm not convinced that's going to happen. Maybe it's happening. I'm not convinced that it's going to, that it is actually going to happen because there's so much. I mean, we're trying to start a season in three weeks, you know, getting kids in school, yeah. getting kids down there, practicing all those things. And like we said, there's no guarantee that this season is going to happen in the other conferences as well, despite their best efforts. We don't know. So truthfully, I would be surprised by all of that if, if it happened. Um, that people were worried about the Mac who wanted to move to the spring, that their players would be poached by other conferences as well. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe I'm not as cynical as I should be when it comes to that. But I just don't think that's going to be a huge thing, even for you know for transferring into a place that's playing a spring season or whatever, or vice versa. Um, I don't know what a spring season is going to look like next year. You yeah, know, I don't know if it's going to be six games, eight games. I doubt it's going to be more than eight or nine, given that they still want to play a season next year too. It's going to be a weird thing. And, and then you have hard. the negatives that say, "Well, now you're trying to get them to play two seasons." And in, even coaches have said period. that. I mean, yeah. that, uh, coaches, you know, going all the way back to the summer, um, a lot of coaches have said that seems like a lot of games. And if we're really about player safety, how can we possibly do that? What I think, in a best case scenario, happens is they play eight games in the spring. Then they play 10 games in the fall, something along those lines. So now you're affecting 2021. Yeah, but that's that's what I think. I don't have any info on that, but just thinking about it, unless something goes crazy and we get super fast testing all of a sudden, we get a vaccine all of a sudden and everything's good and everything's safe. 
Because it also depends on when they play the spring. Playing the spring, quote-unquote, in January to March is a lot different than March to April or May, right? Given Absolutely. the backup to the next season. So who the hell knows what's going to happen. But what I said last night, and I'll continue to say it, they better be talking about it today, like the Big Ten. They had the meeting, a million Zooms. Here's what we're going to do. Start thinking about the spring now. What's it going to look like? What do we need to do to have the season happen? What do our numbers need to look like? What do our campuses need to look like? Let's figure out all of that stuff where we will feel comfortable playing yeah, and then figure out how we got to get there and then get that messaging out and get it all taken care of. Well, hopefully they've been talking for the last four months. but we uh, Not about spring. I mean, not. that's what Coyle even yeah. said last night. He goes, we, we've talked about it a little as let's try it, but in terms of what it's going to look like, nobody knows yet. Wow. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me. Yes, sir. Uh, looking forward to the Golden Gopher podcast via mm-hmm. the iHeartRadio app. Paul Molitor into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. Who you got this afternoon, bumper to bumper? Uh, Grandpa Grimm, I call him. Voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm's coming in studio. Uh, Ron Johnson's coming in as well. Probably going to have some more Gopher representation um, from the football side of things. Still working on that. And then Pat Kessler will join at 515. See you later, man. Bye. Justin Gard, part of the Timber Tech set list, 9 to noon. We will get back into Gophers football and what it looks like, what it means, and all of those things with uh, one of JG's cohorts, Daryl Thompson, an all-timer. Go for great, 10-15. He's got a couple of kids playing sports uh, in the Big Ten, so some fatherly perspective in addition to as close as he is to the Golden Gopher football program. Uh, We'll have Kyle Brandt of the NFL Network. He's got a new podcast coming out. Excited to discuss that with Kyle, get into football as things start kicking off next week, at least for the Minnesota Vikings. And then 11 a.m. hour, the weekly Burke bit. Matt Burke will be hanging out with me for a couple of segments. Uh, but next, uh, after Dan Hayes, excuse me, Dan Hayes, uh, athletic, MLB, Minnesota Twins, Taylor Rogers, giving it up last night. He joins around 1035. Uh, but next, Stump the Snob with Marnie Gellner and Corey Cove. It's Nordo in for PA. It's 9 to noon on the fan. Real quick before we go to break, the fan and Wixen Jewelers want to give you a shot to put a grand in your hand with our National Cash Contest. Text the keyword RICH. That's keyword RICH to 200-200 to enter. Standard text message and data rates apply. 9 to noon, we'll be back. Into the fan. A little bit behind it. Thanks to Justin Gar for joining me and continued conversation really throughout nine to noon today. And maybe uh, I know Fargo Flash joining me around nine fifteen tomorrow. Uh, we'll continue kind of some thoughts and perspective on the Big Ten canceling at least uh, fall sports for now. Hoping to kick the can down to springtime and, and see if they can make it work. Then uh, joining me now though, Marnie Gellner and uh and Corey Cove as uh we play a weekly game called It's time to stump the snob on 9 to noon. Oof, that's loud. That came in hot. Yeah, that Sounds came, good. That came in a little hot. Um good morning you two. Good morning. Hi. Uh, did uh, did Justin figure out the uh the whole plan here basically? Did he walk you through how they're going to fix this thing in 20 minutes? No, he had no idea. Okay. 
Now, he's like most mm. of us. Where... I'm just surprised that them canceling the season doesn't cost Marnie another job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? Uh, Guardsy's feeling it this time. Right. Are there any new home projects that you need to get done where... <laughs> well, once, 60 the, day, once uh... the twins are done in their deep, long playoff run, I think it's it, there's going to be a bit of an abyss because I don't think the NBA is going to start until close to Christmas. Maybe Christmas. So, it, yeah, I'll just have another project, I guess. Take up gambling. Ooh. I'm listening. Yeah, they were exactly. I like it. Let's we'll get, get to it. There. Let's get to it here. Do I need a notebook? Uh, not right now. Okay. Not right now. Right. It is indeed Stump the Snob. So, Marnie, you haven't played this before. I have played this before one time. I don't recall that. <laughs> I'm glad I left an impression. <laughs> that doesn't sound accurate at all. Uh, Stump the Snob. There matter of fact, be... when you texted me yesterday and you were like, I play this game, it's called, I'm like, yeah. I know. I've done it. I didn't do well. I am. You stupid. made a category called North Dakota. Oh, that's right. Yes. And uh, similar, which I won. Similarly, today I have tried to fix it to uh, <laughs> to keep you in the mix. Thanks, because I'm not great at trivia. Uh, next segment, we'll have categories and higher point value hail mary questions. This is indeed stump the sports snob. Typically, PA is the snob. He is out. Uh, Corey Cove, however, you're on some sort of win streak right now from hell, mm. uh, dominating on a week-to-week basis. It sounds good. Uh, no figure skating questions in the mix. Damn today. it. Or female mm. tennis players? Uh, no. I so, kind of dominated the fringe sports last week. You absolutely did. Max Fuller, uh, you are participating in this, by the way. I'm excited. Oh. So you are first in line Wow. to Marnie, to Corey, okay. and back to you. All right. And uh, this first segment... Taking them off. So what I have here, Marnie, since this is the first time you've played, uh, (laughs) is uh, three different lists. And one by one, you'll each start. You'll get a chance at an answer. If it corresponds with the list, you'll get a point. Uh, If it is incorrect, you'll be out for the remainder of that list and have an opportunity to participate in the next one. Uh, All of you know these things. And uh, Max Fuller, I am starting with you. Okay. Okay. Including men's and women's sports at the University of Minnesota. They offer a total of 15 different sports. 15 different sports at the University of Minnesota based on gophersports.com. Men's and women's included. Some are girls. Some are just guys. But 15 total different sports programs. Max Fuller, what is your first guess? Wait, what? So I don't get it. What am I supposed to be guessing? The actual sports. Guess one of the oh, 15. guess one of the fifteen sports. Oh, okay. Well, basketball, right? Okay, that is correct. Football. That is correct. What? I'm sorry to pause. When he when Zach said basketball, does that cover men's and women's? Yes. Okay, oh, so that's both. not two yep. answers. Thank you. Uh, baseball. That is correct. Back to you, Max. Tennis. That is correct. Volleyball. That is correct. Wrestling. That is correct. Uh, Soccer. Women's soccer. That's correct. Hockey. Men and women's. That's correct. Uh, Is softball different than baseball? That is correct. Is there a fencing? (laughs) Uh, There is not currently. (laughs) That's a good guess. They may offer an intramural. They may offer an intramural fencing team. To you, Marnie. Track and field. That is correct, both men and women's. Uh, For my guy, John Roethlisberger. Uh, Gymnastics. That is correct. Shoot, that's on my list. 
Hopefully they still have rowing. They do have women's rowing. That is correct. One, two, three remain, Corey. I feel like I wasn't listening. Did we say tennis? Yeah, we did. Damn it. Three remaining, Marnie. Lacrosse. You missed golf, cross country, and swim and dive. Swim and dive, courtesy of gophersports.com. Marnie, you're in the lead with five points. Is that right? Corey with four, Maxie with three. All right, moving on. The second list. We're starting with you, Marnie. There have been 16 different Twins All-Star pitchers mm. since 1988. From 88 to present, there have been 16 different Twins pitchers with an All-Star berth. Who you got? I've got Jake Odorizzi. That is correct. Last year. Corey. Uh, Johan Santana. That's correct. Multiple times, I think most recently, 2007. You're up to five points. Maxi. I'm going to be honest. I'm out. <laughs> I, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? If you're willing that's to nice. just tap out, that's all good. To you, Marnie. Jose Barrios. That's correct. 20, uh, 2018 and 2019, I believe. Francisco Liriano. 2006. It's mm. correct. Glenn... Perkins. Three-timer, I think, 2013 to 2015. That is correct. You're up to eight points. Joe Nathan. That is correct. Another multiple-time See, now this, this is where I tell you my brain just freezes mm-hmm. up. Well, there's a lot left. I know. Three. Um, two. One. Uh, total loss. Mm. Total loss. <clears throat> uh, I'm just going to sit back and listen to this. Brad one. Radke. 1998, that is correct. Three. Oh, man, this feels dumb. Carlos Silva make it? Uh, Carlos Silva. We love him. No. Uh, You missed Brandon Kinsler, Irvin Santana, Eddie Guardado, Mm -hmm. Joe Mays, Eric Milton, Rick Aguilera, Jack Morris in 91, Frank Viola in 88, and Jeff Reardon. Mm. Should have gone further back. So many obvious names. Marty and yeah. Corey tied with eight. Stoop. Maxie with three. He tapped out, but now we get to something he probably knows a bit more about. So strippers? Do, there are 39. <laughs> Could name every stripper at the booth. Uh, wolves, uh, wolves' first round picks since oh, they dude. began as a franchise. Why, why do you play right? Oh, man. You all would right, think I, I would do well. Wolves Corey's first round pick. Get all 39. A couple now, of them are tricky, though. Now, I need to explain this. Yeah. I have actually included the people they selected, even if they have left in a trade. Because I am not interested in playing the Bad semantics Got it. and nuances of it. So, Which, theoretically, both sides of the trade would count as a first round pick. Does that make sense? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Got it. So, there, that means there are a total of 39 names on this list. And we will start with you, Corey. Kevin. Oh, um. God, what the hell is his last? Garnett? Yes, yes. Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. in 1995. Mm-hmm. Taking the lead. Max. Carl Anthony Towns. Carl oh, Anthony Towns. One. Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio, 2009. Uh, let's go. Stephon Marbury. That is correct. That is indeed one of those tricky ones, yep. sir. 
Uh, you left in people that you said we traded, right? Yeah. So Ray Allen? That would be the other end of that tricky Marbury oh, trade. Nice. That is nice. accurate. Nice. Marnie Gellner. Um, Andrew. Nope. Wes Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I almost went Wiggins, and then I thought about Cleveland. Wesley Johnson is correct, Johnson. 2010. Now, would that have counted? Because we traded. I uh, Okay, so. Never. let's just move on. Uh, Gerald Glass. Yikes. Wow, that's a big pull right there. <laughs> 1990. Gerald Glass is accurate. Corey do 11 points. Uh, Corey, Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer mm-hmm. in 2007, 7th overall. Derek Williams. Derek Williams, Good one. indeed, 2011. D. Will. Uh, Isaiah J.R. Ryder. 1993, that's mm-hmm. correct. Unfortunately, Nikola Pekovic. Nikola Pekovic. I'm trying to find. He's a second here. rounder. Give me a second. He was the first pick in the second round. He I is think. not a oh, first round. Pick. Dang it! To you, Marty. Did I already say Wes Johnson? There's yep. plenty. Damn it! Say something else, please. I know. Um, um, three, two, from Syracuse, the guard. What? Uh, oh my God! <laughs> All right, rack him up, Corey. That's Johnny Flynn. Ah! That would be uh, 2009. That is correct. Will Avery. Oof, 99. That's correct. Wally Zerbiak. 99 as well. Paul Grant. 97. Pooh Richardson. 89. Felton Spencer. Saw him at a dog track once. 1990. <laughs> Luke Longley. <laughs> yeah. That is correct. Danielle Marshall. Oh, my oh. God. That is wow. correct. Kevin Love. Hang on, you're up to 15, and number 16 comes in the form of 2008. Kevin the other Love. side of that is O.J. Mayo. Okay, that is correct. Um, three, two, one. God, who's the rookie this year? How am I blanking on it? Who the hell am I forgetting from this Jared year? Culver. Oh, Culver. God you damn. You idiot. Holy cow. <laughs> you got a lot of them, though. Uh, you missed Christian Leitner. Oh, my gosh. Roshan Esterovich and Duty Evie. Rashad McCants. Randy Foy slash Brandy I should have had a lot of those. That's embarrassing. Um, now Ty He's Lawson, a... whatever. He was trying oh, for a sure. pick. Wayne Ellington. Lazar Hayward. Trey Burke ended up being traded for True. Shabazz and Gorgie. Yep. Zach Levine. Chris Dunn. Oh, I should have had oh, Wayne. Yeah. Wow. I'm kind of embarrassed. You so. could do the Justin Patton, Laurie Markinen bit. Josh Okoge. Hmm. Uh, oh. Also selected the first I round. left about 10 on the table. That was Jeez, bad. You did, but you have 23 points. Tamarni wow. Gellner's 11. Maxie yeah. has 6. But next, categories and Hail Mary questions as we deep dive into Stump the Snop on 9 to Noon. We'll be back. Nine to noon, Nordo and for PA, Stump the Snop, segment two. After picking him off, Corey Cove running away with it, 23 points. Yeah, Marty yeah, Gellner yeah. in studio, her first time ever playing the game, has 11. Uh, Max Fuller uh, with six. And now we transition to categories. All right, so you have those sheets in front of you. Marty, mm, you've never yeah. seen this before, so <laughs> here's how it works. There are four different categories, four corresponding question in ascending point value. The categories are the sweet science, lady links, twins relievers, current ones, 
Pressure's and, on, Marnie. And hmm. NFL Europe. Uh, Corey, that's my jam right there. NFL Europe. <laughs> yeah, Corey with the uh, with the points lead gets to uh, start us off. The key to this, however, is uh, Corey um, will pick the subject, the category, and question. But all three of you have an opportunity to ring in. Use your name as your buzzer. Whoever's quickest, you get to answer. You get the points, and then you get to control where we mm-hmm. go to next. So, Corey, you're up. Let's try NFL Europe for one. NFL Europe for one. Okay, all of you. Use your name as your buzzer. He played for the Amsterdam Admirals in 1998, won a Super Bowl with the Rams in 1999. Corey. Yes. Kurt Warner. That's right. Correct. Uh, Europe for two. This former Seminoles and Vikings QB spent 1995 with the London Monarchs. Corey? Yes. Uh, Brad Johnson? That's right. That's correct. I didn't feel great about that one. Uh, let's go NFL Europe for three. He was more known as a linebacker in the office than on the field or endorsing deodorant. Corey. But he, yes. Oh, man. What, his, do I need his real name? Yes. Oh, geez. Uh, it was Terry Tate, right? But I don't know. what it, Is that his actual name? That is not his actual name. I don't know what his real name was. It was Terry Tate, office linebacker. He was more known as a linebacker in the office than on the field or endorsing deodorant, but he played in NFL Europe as well. Marnie, Three. Terry Jones. Okay. <laughs> Anything, Matt? What are you laughing at? You don't know. <laughs> Terry Smith. Okay. Uh, Terry Cruz. Cruz from uh, Brooklyn oh, Nine-Nine. Terry Cruz. Uh, yeah. You maintain control uh, of the group. Uh, Mike Shore production. Yeah, Europe for Dang. four. Before he was nicknamed the Human Joystick for his return skills in KC, he made plays for the Scottish Claymores. Three. <laughs> Two. Corey. Yes. Dante Hall? That's right. Correct. Uh, sweet Science for one. He won the WBC Heavyweight and the Ring Heavyweight titles with a victory this last February. Corey. Yes. Tyson Fury. That's right. Sweet science. Just use for your two. name as your buzzer. Yeah, okay. this game is fun. Anytime. Oh, it's a good time. Anytime. It's a good time. Sweet science for two. This undisputed middleweight champ in the eighties legally changed his name to start Max. with Mar- Yes. Um, uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler. That's right. Nice, Max. Good one. Thanks. Nice job. Where are you going next? Uh, let's do sweet science for three. In 2011, this boxer won the WBC and lineal light heavyweight titles at the age of 46, which passed George Foreman as the record for the oldest to win a world championship. Three, two, Mm. one. I'm blanking. Bernard Hopkins. Hmm. Oh, wow. You want to go sweet science for four, Never heard of him. Yeah, sure. This classic painting from the 1920s depicted Argentine Luis Ferpo knocking which American out of the ring? Oh, my gosh. I should know this. Three. Two. Corey, I'm going to take a shot at it. Yeah. Uh, Jack Johnson. Anybody else? Three. Marnie. Two. Yes. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Max. Yes. Three. Um, two. Jack Dempsey. That's right. Whoa! Good one, Max. Comeback season. Yeah. Max knows some boxing. Is that a guy? All it's right. almost like I have a podcast about it. You got Lady Lynx. You should see the other guy. 
Lady you, Lace. You do, you, do, you do a boxing podcast? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. boxing on the, uh, and uh, MMA. Radio Network? It's on the iHeartRadio Network. did not know yeah, that. At, What's it called? Where can people find it? You should see the other guys and follow them on Twitter at KFAN Fights. Didn't know that. Uh, Lady Links and Twins Relievers, where are we going? Let's go with Lady Links for one. Okay. For one, this star has four of the best five shooting percentage seasons in franchise history. Marnie. Yes. Sylvia Fowles. That's right. Okay. What now? Oh, uh, Lady Lynx, too. I'm not used to picking the category. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. In her rookie campaign last year, she tallied the third most steals in a season in Lynx history. Marnie? Was, yes. Odyssey Sims. Oh, rookie. In her rookie she, campaign well, she was last first year. With, first year with the Lynx. She tallied the third most steals in a season in Lynx Correct. history with 65. Three. Corey. Two. Kelly Kapowski. Okay. <laughs> Max? Yes. Nafisa Collier? Boom. That's right. Yes. Learned that from authority. 2K. I put that in my coffee. Uh, this guard set a Lynx record with her 112 turnovers in 2019. Oh, no. Three. Two. Marnie. Yes. Um, let's see. I'll try Odyssey Sims again. That's, That's right. correct. Hmm. I don't like celebrating the turnover. I know, but okay, it was a thing. It's, it's a trivia. You okay. want to go for four? Sure, yeah, Lynx four. In 2001, she played a franchise record 1,234 minutes. Now she's an assistant coach. Marnie. Yes. Katie Smith. That's right. Now let's go Twins current relievers for one. When pitching on consecutive days, this guy struggles, as we unfortunately Marnie. saw last night. Taylor yes. Rogers. That's right. Up to 20 points, Marnie. You're coming okay. back. Okay. All right. Taylor Rogers, by the way, leads the team with four saves. This guy is second. Corey. Yes. I have no idea. Sergio Romo. That's right. Honestly, that's about the only other Twins reliever I think I can name. I think so. Uh, Three. On August 4th, this Twins reliever made his first major league appearance in more than four years. Barney. Yes. Caleb Thielbar. That's right. Great story. And finally, this 29-year-old Houston native. Marnie. Has, has, yes. Tyler Duffy. That's right. right. Nice comeback. Thanks. Not over yet. Oh, shoot. That concludes categories with Corey in the lead with 33. Just behind him with 27 is Marnie. And Max, you're still in this, believe it or not, with 14 points. Wow, look at that. But you need to run the table. Oh, okay. As we begin. This. Hail Mary. I have three different clues. Excuse me. Three different questions. With five initials like clues. All of you are in for each of these. Use your name as a buzzer. You get the points. If not, you're out for the remainder of the question. They're in ascending point value, six, seven, and eight points, respectively. We'll start with the six-point question. 20 years old from Knoxville, Tennessee. Won a national title as a freshman. Lost a national title as a sophomore. Corey. Yes. Trevor Lawrence. That's right. 39 points. Max, you have unfortunately been eliminated. That did not take long. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, Marnie, I'm like the wild. down by 12, if you run the table here, okay. you can come back and I'll win. I'll do it. Fine. Here's the seven-point question. 
Rapid City, South Dakota native. Undrafted out of Colorado State. Marnie. In, yes. Becky Hammond. That's right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn it, Christian Leitner. Oh, my God. Okay. Here we go. This is for everything right here. Uh, if Max gets it, Corey wins. If Corey gets it, he wins. Come on, Max. Marnie gets this. <laughs> Do this. Marnie Gellner would win for eight points. Raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Initially picked 11th overall. His first career interception came as a rookie in Corey. a playoff game. Yes. Trey Waynes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And with 47 points, Corey is once that's, again. That was well done. I tried it that with was, the links. Yeah. I tried it with the boxing. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me, guys. No, those are good. That those is Stump the Snob, Wednesdays 9 to noon. Thank you to Marnie. Thank you to Corey. Thank you to Max. And uh, Kyle Brandt of the NFL Network will be joining me on the hotline next. It's Nordo in for PA. This is not. Download it now. Nordowin for PA, 9 to noon. Matt Burke will be here during the 11 a.m. hour. We'll also hear from Dan Hayes of The Athletic on the Minnesota Twins. Another tough one last night in Milwaukee. And uh, and then Daryl Thompson, one of the Gophers' greats on the Big Ten season being postponed. Uh, but first, joining me now, he is uh, not only one of the hosts of NFL Network's Good Morning Football. That's 6 to 9 a.m. Central Time on NFL Network. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about Kyle Brandt's new podcast, 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt, which premieres today, by the way, on Spotify and YouTube. And it features, well, for Vikings fans, this one hurts a bit, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Good morning, Kyle. How are you doing, man? Nordo, I'm thrilled to be on the show, thrilled to be talking to you. It's not every day you get to speak to a first ballot member of the Road Rage Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is nice, isn't it? You can uh, you can learn more about uh, me yelling, screaming, doing all of these things, and uh, that's what I'm best known for. Uh, Kyle, I'm excited to uh, to hear this first episode of Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt. Is this thing officially live yet? It is officially live. It's on Spotify, and if you want to watch the the video of it, it's on YouTube, and it's incredible. It's just. Rogers and me and a, a ton of booze and and ask me anything. It was an unbelievable rare opportunity to get a talk with a guy like this. And he says, "What do you got? Hit me with whatever you want." And I did. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with Aaron. So just as as a guy that that covers not only the Vikings but of course I get to see a lot of Rogers and the green and gold across uh, across the border. He's never struck me as being the most. Um, transparent, vein-opening, secure guy, but from the five minutes or so I was able to watch, you got him a bit going uh, in specific with the with the Jordan Love pick. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny what you're talking about, Nordo, is the whole thing with the Packers drafting a quarterback, there was all these questions about, you know, did, did, did he know? Did Rodgers know? Did the team tell him ahead of time? How did it go for him? No, they didn't tell him. Uh, he got a text from his agent saying the Packers are drafting a quarterback, and in, in, in an unbelievably relatable moment, especially these days, Rogers got a tough call about work and headed right to the bottle, like many of us have done, and <laughs> decided, well, that sucks. I guess I'll pour a giant glass of tequila and then went and spent the rest of the night FaceTiming friends like any of us would do if we get that kind of message from work. And that was just kind of the tone of this thing. I mean, Nora, we talked about everything. We talked about 
who his rival is. How does he feel when people say he only has one ring and he's an underachiever? You know, how is he going to possibly compete with Lamar and Mahomes? And it, we, we just went, man. It was really, really cool. I think people will like it. You know, I just can't imagine him playing for another team. That's kind of the, the, the instant reaction that, you know, whether, you know, sports fans who we ref, uh, affectionately call rubes or just yeah. outsiders looking in in the situation, it's like, well, he's got to, there's got to be something up with Lafleur. There's mm-hmm. got to be something up with that vibe where, and, and you hit it with him, you know, would it be the, the team moving on from him or the team uh, deciding or, or him moving on or just elevating Jordan Love and how all of that works? I just can't imagine it being so simple as they, they got Jordan Love in the mix and now see you later, Aaron. None of us can, and the only person who can, I guess, is Rodgers because the word I would use to describe it is, is certainty. He has a cool, calm certainty that he will be moving on to another team. And whether it's a year from now or two years from now, they're going to say, number 12, it's been real. And, and I would imagine as Vikings fans, it's a rite of fall. Every year, at least two times, you're going to see Rodgers. He's going to be great. He's going to be really tough to beat. But when you talk to him about it, he is he's accepting it. I, I think he spent the last few months in the summer just looking himself in the mirror and saying, they made their pick. You do not take a first-round quarterback to have him sit around for three years, four years, not, not in this era. And it's not like when they drafted me and Favre. He made a very clear distinction on that, that this is not history repeating itself. And the certainty is there. He will play for another team because, Nordo, he, he doesn't want to hang it up. Like, he wants to play into his 40s, well into his 40s. And he knows, you look at him in the eye, he knows full well it will not be with the Packers. Now, you, uh, this is Kyle Brandt, NFL Network. You can watch him on Go- uh, Good Morning Football, of course, weekdays into the football season and beyond. Uh, but also, uh, 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. Cool new podcast. Listen to it. Uh, find uh, everything you want to know about not only Aaron Rodgers. I think you, uh, you interviewed the Honey Badger. But I'm most interested in knowing what you thought of Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback. Uh, kind of peeling back that onion with, with Kirk. How, how was that? The best. You understand, like, I, I, I love Kirk. I, I always say all the time, not ironically, Kirk is my favorite player in the league because not only I think he's a really good quarterback, I just think he's an unbelievably authentic person. You know, let's say if there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, about, I would say, 24 of them are posers and they want to be someone hmm. they're not. There's six, seven, or eight of them who are just the real genuine article, and Kirk is at the beginning of that list. And we had so much fun. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. We had so much fun just talking about about football and the move and all his history in Washington and a lot of people things people have wrong about that. But, dude, I mean, you got to hear his story about Creed, the, the rock band. He's been getting his chops busted for years that he likes Creed. You don't even know the extent of it. There was a time a few years back where he attempted to hire Creed to play a private concert in his home for his 30th birthday, and he gets into the details of it, and you will laugh your ass off. It was Kirk was so good. His kid makes a cameo. We talk all about the throw to Thielen to beat the Saints and what that meant to him, what it didn't mean to him. Like, Cousins, I consider Kirk a friend. He's been awesome to me and vice versa, and we just sat, sat down and, and uh, shot the bleep for about a good hour and a half, and you'll be able to see that in a couple hours. It was a couple of weeks, rather. It was really fun. You know, you mentioned kids making cameos. Yeah. You know, good morning football and broadcasting remotely a fair amount of the time. I think I saw your, your daughter making a cameo with you guys the other day. Uh, what has that been like, staying connected virtually and, and still trying to have fun with your buds every day? You're referring to my, uh, my, uh, my bullheaded four-year-old who crashed the live shot yesterday. Here's where I come out on this. There was a time three or four months ago when everybody started doing remote broadcasting, remote TV, 
when one of the little tropes was the cute little kids who crash in the set and everybody oohs and ahs and everybody loves adorable kids. I'm over it now. I, I, I'm done with the kids crashing into the sets. That was fading out around the same time everyone was still making Tiger King jokes. So I love my four-year-old, but she disobeyed my orders. Do not enter the shot. I'm trying to, uh, trying to put you to college, my dear. I'm trying to make a living here. So please go up, watch another episode of Peppa Pig, and we'll play after the show. I'm done with the cute kid, Nordo. Absolutely. Now, in the midst of all that's going on here, and, and you guys have made it work on a day-to-day basis, yeah. We've watched other sports tackling the toughest issues of how to play, when to play, and all of this, where we've kind of been able to confidently project and speculate and just look forward to the NFL. But now you see news like Big Ten's canceled, Pac-12's mm-hmm. canceled, and and we're just we're now we just want to get over that finish line to NFL season and games that count, right? Yeah, it's like can we get can we spin the clock any faster? Can we kick off? Titans Chiefs tomorrow. No, we can't. It's still not for a few weeks, and in fact, more than that. So, I listen. I was devastated by the college football news. Look, I I did not play NFL football. I played college. It was the highest level I could get to, and I can't possibly imagine if my senior year was taken away from me, the amount of scar tissue I would still have from that, and how devastated I would be, and my family would be. And I'm someone who never had a, a second of professional prospects. It's just. When you're a football player, I don't care if you're high school, college, whatever, you work your whole life for that. And for those kids that have that taken away from them, I feel so, so, so badly for them. And as far as the NFL, look, I watched Hard Knocks last night. If anybody didn't see it, it actually gave me kind of a a ray of hope about how hands-on and how uh, mechanized this process has been to try to keep these guys healthy. A couple weeks ago, I didn't think we were having the NFL. Now I feel optimistic as we get closer. I I think we got a shot, dude. I dig that. Now, last one for you, and, and I'll let you get on to enjoy the day. Um, have you adapted to kind of watching other sports, like baseball in the mix right now? Uh, we got Bernie Lomax uh, at uh, Chavez Ravine, and you, you have the, the bubbles that are seemingly working to great success with the NBA and NHL. And kind of the prospect of watching an NFL game, I, I think the Coliseum aspect of it and the fans matter to that environment and the ambiance. Have you kind of worn yourself into a groove with some of these other sports, what they look like, and what you anticipate NFL games looking like next month? Oh, I'm in a total groove, dude. I mean, listen, we hit rock bottom about a month ago. I was sitting around watching uh, the Cornhole Championships and just <laughs> living it up. And I, it, it was as if I was watching the, the 18th hole at Augusta. I was so into it. And now I'm watching tons of NBA. I, it's a, It's kind of a spicy take, but I really, really like – the bubble NBA, and there's some things about it that I like more than regular NBA. It just feels intimate. And listen, no crowd NFL is going to be weird. I don't understand who's going to be the first player who goes into Lambeau, scores a touchdown, and does a leap into empty stands with no mm. one to catch them. It's very, very strange. But at the same time, we'll be able to hear more. We'll be able to get more personal attention, intricacies of the players. Like There will be silver linings. But you know as much as I do, U.S. Bank Stadium empty when they score a touchdown is going to be very strange. That's how it comes out. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations on releasing the new podcast today. Excited to watch it in totality. Yep. And uh, thanks for the great work you do on NFL Network. And, and looking forward to seeing you guys break down games throughout the year, man. Thanks for all you do, too. Thanks for having me, Eric. Anytime, man. All right, cheers. Kyle Brandt, NFL Network. And once again, 10 questions with Kyle Brandt. If you haven't, he has it uh, available via Spotify and YouTube now. Uh, learn more about A-Rodge and his mindset, his perspective uh, into what happened on draft night when uh, when Jordan Love, the team actually traded up, 
to get a quarterback and kind of maybe some would call it deja vu or or whatnot. But the thoughts that were going through Rogers' head, I thought Kyle did a, as good a job as anybody in kind of terming, uh, kind of getting that out of him and finding out what his perspective was. Uh, you can find that again Spotify and YouTube at Kyle Brandt uh, via Twitter. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, being crushed by the the cancellation or postponement of fall sports. You know, it's not just football, although that's the revenue juggernaut, right? But a lot of sports are going to be affected in kind of the ripple effect of not getting uh, the tens of millions of dollars via uh, what the football program offers, not only the U of M, but throughout the Big Ten. The Pac-12 made some news yesterday uh, offering a very similar result in their discussions with uh, their quote-unquote university CEOs and presidents and such. And uh, I want, uh, I guess, some more perspective on that from Daryl Thompson who not only is one of the Gopher greats, uh, but he has a couple of kids participating in Big Ten sports and just how he sees things. Uh, the radio analyst will be joining me next. It's Nordwin for PA 9 to Noon. Uh, but first, an opportunity to win some cash for listening to The Fan. The Fan and Wixen Jewelers want to give you a shot to put a grand in your hand with our national cash contest. Text the keyword HOPE. That's keyword HOPE to 200-200 to enter. Standard text message and data rates apply. 9 to Noon will be back. Into The Fan. Come on, man. Nine to noon, Nordo in for PA. PA returns on Monday. Tomorrow we will we will continue this conversation, an ongoing one. Hottest news in college sports right now being that not only the Pac-12, uh, but of course the Big Ten, which affects our beloved Golden Gopher football team and all fall sports in the mix at the university. Uh, fall sports out, canceled, postponed, crossing fingers for the spring and, uh, and joining me now, somebody as close to the program as anybody, uh, not only Gophers radio analyst, but also uh, one of the Gopher greats, former running back uh, with the green and gold as well, Daryl Thompson joining me 9 to noon. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing very well, man, and still just kind of trying to piece, to bet, uh, piece together and, and get different perspectives on the decision made yesterday, not only by Commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, uh, but of course the... Uh, the university presidents of all 14 Big Ten schools, and in a lopsided, uh, nearly unanimous vote, uh, they have chosen to cancel football for the fall and crossing, again, as I said, crossing fingers that there's an opportunity to uh, to kick this thing into gear in the spring. Uh, you've kind of, of course, of course, followed this and just kind of waited for a decision like the rest of us, but, you know, how, how have you uh, kind of held this from your mindset and and now that you've heard the decision, what are your thoughts? Well, um, the the thing I tried to do with this whole process is try to remain positive. I'm typically a glass half full guy, and I've been thinking, oh, there's got to be a way to do this. And then I just, I I just I'm I was heartbroken heartbroken to find out that it was that it was happening. And I and I even in, I mean I I'm, I I imagine if I'm sitting at the table if I'm uh, Joel Gable or um, you know Mark Coyle or you know the the presidents and the uh, athletic directors and uh, Commissioner Warren, um, they all want to play football. You know, it's a it's a tremendous revenue stream, and um, it's what we love. And I was telling someone yesterday, I've um, I've been around football, and I, I've been I've not been around. I've been involved in football since I was nine years old. So, and I'm 52 right now. So this is the first fall on a Saturday that I won't either play, watch, or broadcast a football game. 
and I actually have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know. I'm not, I've never really hunted or anything, so it's going to be a whole different <laughs> thing for me. I don't even know. I have no idea. You know, even the preparation for the game, leading into the game, going to the press conference, preparation. So it's um, it's going to be a different a different thing. So I, I'm I'm still kind of um, uh, just um, a tiny bit lost and as to um, you know what's going to happen in the fall and what I'm going to do and um, if these other um, conferences are going to um, still play. Yeah, and that, that's the one thing for me, Daryl, is, you know, separating what one's opinion is of, you know, living life with the presence of this virus and respecting each other and, you know, the, the trepidation and just overall fear level that exists in the midst of a pandemic. You know, I was, I was a bit surprised to see kind of that, that stark contrast is, as you mentioned, other conferences are still playing. And it's almost like Greg Sankey, professional uh, commissioner of the SEC, and Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, of course, they're they're both seeing the exact same thing, but have completely different perspectives on it. If that makes sense, you mentioned you're a, a glass half full guy. Feels like in some ways you you got the the hesitance or the conservative nature of the Big Ten, and then the then the more push forward and we'll 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 tackle the hurdles as they come about. As you look at the SEC, oh yeah, no question. You know, and uh, you know, football is uh, is a priority, uh, specifically in the South. It always has been. And you know, I I don't I don't have the answer. You know, I I don't know how to protect the kids. I know that there's certainly concerns about um, potential litigation um, if somebody were to have, were to get ill or someone unfortunately were not to make it. You know, or to, yeah. to die. You know, so I think there's a lot of things that that we all are thinking about it, you know, just one week ago today, we thought we were playing, you know, so they still think they're playing too, but they could, it could change. I mean, I was at, my son plays basketball in the end. I was at his game uh, for the big 10 tournament and like, Oh, Hey, tomorrow we're going to have, or just parents go to the game because of this COVID thing. I was like, Oh, yeah, okay. They thing, you know, we're driving home the next day because they canceled everything, hmm. you know? So it's, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, right. I don't, I don't, you know, I, of course, I want to play. I want to see it, and I'm trying to be safe and, you know, wear a mask and, you know, all this stuff, you know, just because I just, selfishly, because I just want it to go away. So that's why, that's why I'm trying to, you know, protect myself and protect anyone I'm around. So I just like, if it'll just go away, um, then I got to do my part. And I just don't know if it's possible to um, protect all these kids. You know, I mean, you look at um, uh, campus and um, going to class and, uh, a bubble of, uh, I don't know, I don't know how you can bubble up a hundred um, college kids uh, in volleyball and all the other sports and just say, we're just going to bubble you up and, and test you uh, a whole bunch. I don't, I don't know how that, and say we're, and we're going to just trust that you're not going to invite your friends over. Um, you're not going to have, hang out with your girlfriend, all these things that are pretty normal in college to ask a kid to not do all those things and not to have come in contact with anyone else. It's, it's already hard enough because everyone already has expanded their bubbles to all their fringe people, you know, whether, yeah. whether people admit it or not. Everyone's like, Oh, well, I kind of went over to my friend's house and kind of, we, I kind of went in the house and actually I hugged her on the way out too. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know anyone, anyone who's honestly saying they didn't do that. I hugged a guy last weekend that I hadn't seen for like 10 years. I was like, I'm like, Oh, you're doing it. I said, I, I could, I, I, he needed a hug. I needed to hug him. We hugged. Yeah. There you go. So. Uh, 
That's Daryl Thompson, uh, one of the Gopher greats. And, you know, your perspective, of course, playing in the 80s with the program and, and what you got out of that and eventually getting the opportunity to uh, pursue a pro career as well. You know, you think about it right now, and you you mentioned uh, race at Indiana, but but true here at, at the University of Minnesota, kind of, you know, where do you think their heads are at at this point where, you know, you, you play the game because you love it, and uh, in some ways, you know, the that carrot out there in terms of potentially being in the spring or, you know, still we, we don't know exactly how basketball and some of the winter sports are going to work. Where do you think their heads are at in relation to what's happening now? Well, I think there's confusion. You know, I have told him just this morning he was leaving early to go to what they're doing. I don't know exactly what they're going today, but uh, I said, you know, you have to remain positive. And I, I would imagine even for coaches, you go, man, it seems like the coaches. I said, coaches are down too. I would, if I was the coach, I'm ready for, I want to play against uh, Michigan in about three weeks. Let's get ready for Michigan. I'm excited. Let's game plan. Let's look at the film. Let's do awesome. You're like, oh, we're not going to play. So what do we do? Like, you just kind of like look around, like, uh, and I can't already, and I can't already go anywhere anyway. So we're already kind of like, we're all trapped. So yeah. what do we do? How can we be better? And how can we have a good, positive um, something out of this? So can we make this fun? And it's hard to make fun out of. We've already tried to make fun for the last six months, and we're all tired of it. So, I mean, what what do you do to, you know, try to be positive, be around? I and mean, you can only, you know, do positive things and get back so much. You just you're working towards this goal, and now the goal's been basically, you know, ripped out of your um, grasp for at least you know three or four months. Now, you know, when you look forward to potentially seeing a season in the spring. What do you think maybe some obstacles are? Forget about the TV contracts or, you know, things of that nature. But just, you know, and, and we saw it in the state of Minnesota with high school sports, the idea of playing high school football uh, in the spring and, and what teams that are in the outstate areas that might not have heated fields, they might still have two feet of snow on the ground. We, we get all those roadblocks. But what do you think some of the hurdles are when you take – what you're typically seeing right now, everybody in the mix trying to play games and get ready for a season, and then just try to transition that onto the other side of the calendar. Well, I think there's a couple of things. Number one is the weather, which is that's 25% of it. And I think number two is the recruitment of, um, of student athletes. That's another 25%, I guess, to me. And then um, spring sports. Like what normally you have guys that run track, you have uh, people that play baseball, you know, you have all these things that are, you know, going on in the fact that it's just a different season. So we're all used to, you know, track and baseball and, um, you know, all the sports that take place during the um, spring lacrosse or, you know, whatever those um, those other um, sports are. So it's just um, it's going to be different from all, every perspective from a coach to preparation to the weather to trying to make a norm out of something that's not normal exactly what everyone's trying to do now. Like everyone, you know, probably 50% of people are working at home right now because they're, that's our new norm. So it's, um, that's what we try to do. Now, I, I'm curious if you have any, any opinion on this. And if, if you don't, that's fine. But I, I've heard a common refrain from those that are saying, let's play. Like I, I'm getting the, the vibe here that if you left it up with the coaches and players, there would be some that would opt out, but most that would choose to play. And uh, we've heard it from coaches down in the SEC, even some prominent players in college football. The concept is that within the, you know, whatever bubble it would be, even if it's just kids being on campus and connected to the team and regular testing and all of those things, that maybe the players might find that to be 
a safer environment than going back home and just kind of waiting this thing out. Do, do you have any any thought on that? Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's it's it's a it's a valid um, thought of playing or at least even pushing it back another like just say two months. And I'm I'm I can say what maybe you're playing like in um, you know late October and November, and you play like at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Indianapolis. I mean, I don't I don't it's there's a lot of different ways to look at it, and um, you know that piece about let's just play now and deal with things as they come isn't terrible, even if they develop some type of, I've thought of, a, of a, whatever threshold they want to develop, say, I don't know, 10% of your team, 5%, 20%, 30% gets, comes up, comes down with the virus. Um, then you say, I'm going to either cancel, I'm going to postpone, I'm going to do something else. Yeah. But then there's also the long-term effects of um, of this uh, of this disease. I lost a teammate to it about a week ago. I just a lineman that, uh, you know, uh, he got the, the virus, and next thing I know, he was gone. So it kind of hit home to me that I was like, oh, my God, this is a teammate from the Packers that just, he died. He got the virus. Everyone's like, you know, like my little text with my former teammates, and then he's no longer with us. So that was kind of like the stark reality of I, maybe I being selfish just because I just want to see football, but I just want to see football. So that's, what we, that's what we want to see. So I'm trying not to be selfish because, of course, I want to see it. Yeah, and that's that's one of the toughest things is you know and, and... – you know, you are, are significantly closer to it than than many who are on the outside just going, hey, I, I thought this was just basically like the sniffles. And, you know, you, you find out those uh, close to you in your life are impacted by it. And, you know, I'm glad that's, that's the thing is you, you don't want to be selfish about it. And as Golden Gopher fans, it's hard not to be crass, almost sarcastic about it. It's, hey, this is one of the best teams that we've had in the last 30 years in a pandemic cancels the whole thing it's just uh you know trying well, as, also, as you said to stay positive over. i mean the the fact that we've had a, we had a really really good team last year only lost two games won 11 games um and quite honestly should have won even the more you know which is crazy to think you know we could have been 12 or even 13 and 0 but that's is what it is but the um the that doesn't they're not going away i mean yeah we we have lost rashad bateman but that was going to happen anyway he was well if he had played regular season he would be here but there's still many. I mean, Tanner Morgan comes back, Chris Altman, Bell, I mean, uh, Benjamin St. Juice. So, I mean, the team has, they have depth, they have talent. Coach Flex done a tremendous job of recruiting. They've got a, They've done a great job of coaching these kids. There's a pipeline of, of talent that is here. There's more depth in the defensive line that I've seen in my broadcasting career. So, you know, um, the boy Amafes and the other young men that are up there, I mean, I'm like, I like when I when I walk by them, I'm like, okay, that, that's, that's what you need to look like. That's, mm. that's the... Yeah, so I mean, there's, it's not it's not over. I mean, it's just it just sucks because it's being um, it's being kicked back, whatever's being kicked back. You know, hopefully it's not kicked back 365 days. Hopefully it's kicked back. You know, a couple months. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much on short notice, Daryl, for uh, for joining me this morning and and kind of giving your viewpoint of everything that's going on. And uh, to sum it up, I agree with you. It sucks. And now we're, we're kind of playing that waiting game. But, uh, but thanks for the time, as always. Looking forward to hearing you on the radio again sooner than later, hopefully. I sure hope so. Thank you. Take care. All right, cheers. Daryl Thompson, gopher great Daryl Thompson, former running back, was in the NFL with the pack, and uh, he's been side-by-side with Grimm. Feels like he's got to be a couple of decades into it as a, as a commentator for the Maroon and Gold. Uh, Sun Race is with Indiana Hoops. Sun True with Gopher Football. 
and uh, as close to it as anybody in terms of what to make of not only the decisions, but then the pathway forward. So uh, thanks to Daryl for joining us. When we return, we'll take a peek at uh, the Minnesota Twins. Taylor Rogers apparently on no rest. He's not great. And so uh, the Twins lose 6-4 in Milwaukee last night. Dan Hayes covers the team for The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Uh, we'll chat with him next. It's F-A-N. Bit top of the hour, Matt Burke hanging out for a couple of segments during the final hour. Uh, joining me now, a lot on uh, the Gophers and canceled seasons and such. Skate on over to Major League Baseball with Dan Hayes of the Athletic. Good morning, Dan. Morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I didn't catch you during a bike ride, did I? Not yet. No, that'll be in a little bit here. Okay. Summertime, you got to take advantage, man. You know, you got to get outside. No, I, I hear you. Dan Hayes at Dan Hayes MLB covers the Minnesota Twins for the Athletic, and uh, I guess we'll start here. There are for a team that has lost five of their last six, and most recently, it feels like they're they're finding unique ways to lose. And I'll start with Taylor Rogers on no rest, typically not great, and he was not great again last night. Yeah, you know, you look at what he's done in the last two years, he's struggled in that role. But I, I just think it's flukish because the the previous three years he was pretty good and on, on no rest. So um, it, it didn't work last night. I don't think that you do – you take – you would just hamstring yourself so much to take your best reliever out of big spots like that. And even if it's two days – or no rest and, and the, the numbers are – pointing the other way. I, I think you got to take him and, and you've got the, the key part of their lineup up and just go. I, I just, you know, strategically to say he's unavailable because he pitches poorly on those days. Um, you know, I mean, he's going to come through the majority of the time, even though the numbers have been bad the last, uh, since the start of 2018. But I mean, you look at what he was from 20, 2016 to 2018. He was, he was pretty good. I think it was like a two forty one ERA on, uh, no days rest from that period. So it's been a, a, a trend for this last year. It didn't go well last night. Um, and and I, obviously fans are screaming about it and they're upset. I mean, the Twins have lost five of six, but I, I don't think they've reached that stage of uh, everybody's their, – their, their pets' heads are falling off. I think they're still in uh, pretty good shape. But um, it, it definitely has been a rough run. Yeah, it has. Now, I, I just want to make it clear. I'm not trying to – I don't want them to cancel his contract or anything. It was just <laughs> disappointing to see what happened last night. Now, with this last six-game stretch here, you know, and they'll have an opportunity today with Maeda, who's kind of solidified or at least offered the most consistency, it feels like, in the starting role thus far. And and maybe that's part of it, the, the injuries to pitchers and things. The one thing, though, that I am worried about – more so than getting pitchers healthy and such, is that if you're going to have inconsistencies on the mound, it's cool because you can fall back with the Bombas, you can fall back with generating hit after hit after hit, the onslaught, the avalanche, and you're, you're seeing a lot of really important cogs to this offensive lineup 
struggling thus far through 18 games in the sprint. Yeah, you are. Josh Donaldson not being in the lineup hurts too. Uh, but you know, you look at last night's lineup and one through five was pretty potent. And then you run into this stretch where Garver, Arise, and Sano are all slumping. And and it was three. You know, the first time up, I think they were zero for six with six strikeouts. And that's so unlike what that trio was able to do last year. I mean, Luis Arise, you know, Terry Francona in August a comparison uh, last year to Tony Gwynn and, and Rod Carew, and here he is hitting 216. And Mitch Garver is struggling with the high fastball after being able to just hit pretty much every one last year. Um, you know, he, he got a hit last night that ended an 0 for 18 streak, uh, and, and still struck out three times in his other four or in his uh, four plate appearances. And um, you know, Miguel Snow is is having a rough run too. I mean, there's a there was a little bit of power for a few games, but um, it, it looks like a team that would be uh, still trying to get its legs underneath it. And and that's the one thing I think we do have to keep in perspective is that this is happening across baseball. Uh, offense is down everywhere. Pitching is, has been pretty solid uh, and has the advantage right now. And so it's not a shock to see uh, a couple guys going through something right now. But when, you know, it's taking out innings, when it's, when it's hurting the fact that you just can't string together good at bats and you can't put together rallies and, um, or, or you do and you get to one of the cold guys and it kills the rally. It's, it's tough. It's been a weird stretch for the twins because they were 10 and two and they played great against the Cardinals and, and the Indians and, uh, you know, swept those, swept the Pirates, I think, uh, in the two game series and, you know, took two or three from the White Sox. You're 10 and two. You're playing great. Um, and then all of a sudden you're playing some pretty bad teams, although the Brewers are a better team than a bad team. I think the Brewers actually are a pretty, pretty good team, but you know, the Royals, you get swept by them. You, you lose in walk-off fashion to the Pirates. It's, it's been a rough five, six games here, um, for sure. And, and, you know, the, the good part is they've built up so much, uh, leeway with that 10 and two start that they're still in first place and they're still, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. This is not a team that's not going to make the playoffs, but, you know, everybody's going to make the playoffs. So um, it, it, it's been a weird weird little run for sure. Uh, my guy, Marshall Kellner, he has uh, voxed for the Fort Myers Miracle, if you've heard of them, and uh, <laughs> he listens to 9 to Noon, and he emailed the Bradshaw and Brian inbox, and when Marshall emails, I, I have to answer the bell, and he asked what your thoughts are on using extreme shifts with runners on base and two strikes, as we've seen bite us in recent times. Yeah, it, I, I think the Twins have the data in their favor where it shows that, you know, those extreme shifts, the ball is going to go where the, the numbers say it will 90% of the time. They, I don't think they would buy into it the way they do. I mean, because we're talking about this is top-down um, from one of the smartest organizations in baseball. And you hear players talk about that all the time. I mean, all the new relievers that have come over, and Corey Guerin's played in a ton of places. You know, Caleb Theobar's seen a few spots himself. And uh, Rich Hill, Josh Donaldson, everybody talks about how the Twins are one of the, the most thoughtful, smart organizations that they've played for. And, and I honestly think, hey, there's a reason why they're doing the stuff they're doing. It doesn't always work. And you look at it, and, you know, they – they got beat by the not playing no doubles defense in Pittsburgh last week where the, uh, the double down the line, I can't, I think it was Colin Moran started the game winning rally with a double past third base. 
And everybody wants to know why they're not playing no doubles. And I, I think the percentages show that's just not going to happen. And like 90% of the time, the ball doesn't find that spot very much. And so they're going to keep tending to play those. And, and it does jump up and bite you. You have to live with that kind of stuff. You make a decision, you live with the consequences of it. And I think they feel like, you know, the majority of the time it's going to go in their favor. And, and that's, that's what their kind of philosophy is. And don't switch, don't panic, that kind of stuff. Because when you do that, players notice it and it, it disrupts things and it can cause things to blow up. So, you know, it, it, it is painful when it doesn't work in the way it's supposed to. I, I imagine just to, especially you see it, how it happened last night. Um, it, it just, it, it, it takes struggles and makes them worse without question. Um, but I think that they showed it last year that sticking to their guns is, is the right way to go. Few more for you here, Dan. Thanks again for your time this morning. Uh, in terms of the team traveling, they're 18 games in. One more against, uh, one more against the, uh, the the Brewers later today, and then I forget where they're headed. I think they're headed home, maybe against they the are, Royals. They are headed home. They have their first day off tomorrow. Uh, their only day off until September 3rd. They're in this stretch of holy cats. 30, 36 games in 37 days. So wow, it's a it's a pretty big long stretch and. For some reason, they inexplicably have four days off in September, and they were they didn't quite pick that out and and get upset with the league schedule makers. But I'm sure they would have liked a few more days sprinkled a few more days off sprinkled in early, as we're seeing like the league struggling with pitchers' health and yeah and all that stuff, and that's why they're carrying like. 38 pitchers on their 28-man staff right now. So, Well, you know, since you bring that up, Dan, I mean, one advantage of that for other teams, if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you're glad that you get to fill those off days maybe with games or the Marlins and those sorts of things. And, you know, now 18 games into it, a couple of road trips under their belt. You know, what have you heard from the team in terms of the, uh, you know, it's discipline on the road. It's, it's certain protocols and things like that. There was a news story yesterday. Uh, Mike Clevenger went out. I think it was Plesak, a couple of Indians pitchers went out on the town in Chicago and, uh, Tito's like, nah, you're out and canceled the guys' start. So kind of, you know, th- their process in cracking down on it, not allowing a situation that's happened in St. Louis to manifest with the twins. Like, what have you heard in terms of, how they're dealing with it and, and just, you know, the kind of that process and, and their mindset when they're on the road. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about how good they are and watch something they'll blow up. It, it always happens that way, but, uh, they, they seem to have been really on top of this. And, and I think that they've set a tone early on with how they were going to handle all the protocols. Um, they, they've been very open and communicative. They've had a lot of meetings. It also helps that you have some serious veteran leadership on this team, and I think that other teams probably could have needed that. You know, you look at Nelson Cruz, nobody is going to mess with Nelson Cruz, and when Nelson Cruz, you know, he's just going to he's gonna give you the stern eyebrows and, and, and stare you down, and, and everybody's going to listen, that kind of thing. I, I think he, uh, he really sets the tone on this with the players' front. Um, you had enough cases early on with Miguel Sano and Williams Astadio that people know what it's going to mean. I mean, for those guys that miss, you know, Astadio still hasn't returned, although he was activated off the COVID list yesterday uh, and optioned to the St. Paul group. But, you know, you're talking about August 10th um, when, when he finally cleared the protocols after testing positive on intake and Miguel Sano missed two weeks. I think those things early on helped the team realize how serious things are. 
you heard a lot of talk from their relievers coming in that they were worried about the whole situation. So I think it's a very aware group that has kept things under wraps. Uh, but you never know. I mean, hmm. it, everybody's a human and, and somebody might try to get out of the hotel and, um, you know, especially with the, their stand at the Fister in uh, Milwaukee, which is, uh, known for its ghosts. Uh, hmm. so. You never know if somebody's going to get a ghost scare last night and sneak out of the hotel to get away from uh, from the ghosts. So, wow. But, uh, but you know, I think they've done a really good job with that so far. You haven't had issues like Cleveland. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out with Cleveland when one of your team's best pitchers uh, and an, a rising young star in Plesak, you know, both go out and, and go out together. And uh, apparently Clevenger stayed in the – team meeting to defend Plesak. And, I mean, Carlos Carrasco just came back from cancer, and uh, Terry Francona is at high risk, too. And to to just blow off your teammates like that, uh, that could be very damaging. So I, I think the Twins have done a good job handling it right, and that should, you know, pretend to help them over the course of the year. But, you know, anything can happen with this, and, and we'll see. But I think the Twins are taking it pretty serious. You know, last thing, last thing for you here. The pitching being ahead of the hitting is certainly something that's trending league wide. And another thing that's trending is injuries to pitchers. And the Twins have been bitten by this several times over. You got Homer Bailey. I still don't understand what's up with Rich Hill. Um, not, not that Barrios has been injured per se, but he has certainly, uh, not looked sharp into the early stages of the 2020. Like where are we at with some of these injured guys getting back? Where where are we at in terms of getting confident and feeling happy again about our about our hurlers? Yeah, Barrios. I think that's more command. His stuff's pretty good. He's just not commanding right now, and you you see it. He's he's just been off. Um, but with Homer Bailey and, and Rich Hill, you know that was with giving those guys extra days here or there, and it's still that ramp up period of three weeks just. Um, I, I think a lot of pitchers were probably throwing more stressful pitches in their ramp ups early on than they have been before. We've seen it league wide where, you know, everybody's hurt. I mean, it, it, it's, it's jumped up and bitten every team. And, and you, you mentioned the struggles. Jake Odorizzi just got back. Jake Odorizzi the other day when he pitched on Saturday looked like a guy who was really in his first competitive action since July 14th. So you're trying to play catch up. Um, it's tough because you want to make sure to mitigate for injuries. You don't want to blow your guys out. That's why we're not seeing all the bullpen guys consistently day after day because, you know, they're taking care of those guys too. So you're seeing games like Saturday where there are guys out there that maybe if you have a lead, you're not pitching normally, but they're trying to watch for when you have five, six innings to cover, you're trying to watch for the other guy's health and, and prevent them from going more than an inning. So, it's a big mess. I mean, this is what we kind of expected would happen when you have a three-week ramp-up and after four months off. Um, it, there's a lot of unpredictable things going on right now, and and I think that will go for a little longer. I think if you can get through and, and you know, get a couple more weeks under your belt, maybe guys start to get a little more accustomed to being on the field again. Um, but, you know, I, there's a reason why spring – everybody complains about spring training's length being six weeks, but I think that there's a lot more benefit to it than there is harm. Um, and and I think we'll see, you know, that kind of round out as – you know, we're right now five and a half weeks in um, to when they started the season. So right now would be about opening day uh, of a normal spring training. So I think that 
you know, you should see things come around like they normally do, but it's it's still all unpredictable. Hey, thanks for what you do. Thanks for giving me time this morning. We'll catch up another time and, of course, read all your stuff at The Athletic, man. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Cheers, Dan Hayes, The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Dan Hayes MLB. Uh, final one in Milwaukee this evening, Maeda v. Lauer, day off. Then it's Odell back at Target Field on Friday uh, as the Kansas City Royals come in for a four-gamer. How about we return the favor and sweep them? My goodness. Uh, around the corner, 11 a.m. hour, final stretch. Matt Burke is hanging out with me. The Burke Bit, weekly, Wednesdays, 9 to noon. Uh, it is Nordo in for PA. The Fan. Hey, get rhythm. When you get the blues, come on, get a rhythm. When you get the blues, get a rock and roll feeling in your bones. Put taps on your toes and get gone, get a rhythm. When you get the blues. How you doing, Mr. Burke? A little shoe shine, boy, I'm actually doing really well today. You are? Well, there's a, there's a shine. There's always some sort of a, there's a glimmer in your eye. There's positivity. Always. Ear to ear smile. There is a certain. It must be that you were you were so elated because last night the Blue Jackets and Lightning went to five overtimes, which pushed live hockey to ten a.m. this morning. That's what it's got to be, right? I didn't know hockey was going on. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a thing. I don't know. You just some We're in days, these bubbles. Some days you wake up, you feel good. The sun was out. I mean, the the stretch of weather has been amazing. My kids are healthy. We got date night tonight with the wife, so. Whoa. I got a chance. I got, yes, I got a chance. Go. I got a chip and a chair and a chance. What's Things a date? What's a date night spot? You don't have to reveal the particular location or GPS uh, coordinates of where a date night will take oh, place tonight. Matter. But on the on the east side of town, because I live in Chaska, so it's difficult for date night. I'm not going to drive over to Egan or Mendota on a regular basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, what's a good date night vibe? For the Burke couple, well, you know we live in Mendota Heights, so you know Axles. Axles is a is a favorite. Anoni uh, is another favorite. That's about you know it's about a three mile radius from the house, maybe less. We like to keep it close. Yeah, uh, we venture downtown on the West Seventh. Cassettas, Digidios, Mancini's. You know, oh. I mean that's that's the beauty of St. Paul, which you don't have in the suburbs. You know those places that are been around a hundred years, third, fourth generation, that kind of deal. But yeah, uh, yeah we'll see. It's uh, yeah, it's looking promising. No, that's cool, man. Well, I thank you for joining me as you do weekly Wednesdays, 9 to noon. Of course. Uh, plenty of football-related bits and you know more excitement along the way as we are anticipating that the Vikings and training camp and these things will kick off in earnest next week. Uh, but some, some disheartening news coming out of the college ranks. And uh, Big Ten, Pac-12 football, not happening. Fall sports in those two conferences, not happening. Yeah. And it has become a... You know, cross your fingers that something changes, and maybe spring 2021, they try to ramp things up again. So, you know, you played at Harvard. Now, no offense, but most of the country wouldn't notice whether or not Harvard or many hey, of the hey, Ivy League hey, schools hey, were hey. playing. No, that's a... Ivy League canceled, by the way, six weeks ago, maybe they canceled the season, and you know what? Nobody noticed. Yeah, it didn't make the radio. Yeah, and but... But once again, we show we're out in front of it. We're the trendsetters. Ah, we rule the world. Ivy League knew it first. We knew it, and now the, and now the Big Ten. So Kevin Warren's, uh, you know, he he made some uh, some comments yesterday. Conference releases a statement. Pac-12 about an hour and a half later, 
said essentially the same thing. And what they say, I didn't see it. I work, uh, I work for a living. I don't know what they're saying. Health and safety. As a matter mm. of fact, I, let me just let me dial up some audio for you here. I mean, I think I could probably guess what they said, but yeah. Well, here figured. we go. Here's Kevin. Here's Kevin Warren. Our overarching, you know, reason and the overarching um, issues that we had to always keep at the top of our mind was the fact, and I've said it from the first day that I started at the Big Ten, that the health, the safety, the wellness, and both physical and mental for our student-athletes was going to be at the top of my list. So health and safety for the student-athletes in the Big Ten and uh, and then the Pac-12, very similarly, in the midst of a, of a pandemic and uh, a situation where it feels like none of us know what the hell we're doing from a day-to-day basis at this point. That's true. Uh, that's the decision from the Big Ten. Uh, how do you uh, how do you feel about all of this? Well, I mean, let me just say when I heard, it, I was obviously disappointed. I mean, I obviously you know kind of feel like that it was the wrong decision. Now, I'm not going to go uh, you know protest, yeah, jump up and down, yell and scream. Uh, you know, today today's world, we 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 live where you got to pick a side, right? You got to be way over here, or way over there. I'm that's saying exhausting. I was I was I was bummed when I heard it um, for a couple of reasons. And let me say this: there's really no. There's no great solution here, right? It's like door number one or door number two, and guess what? They're both, yeah, they're both they're both not great, right? Yeah. Um, so I look at uh, I look at first of all, I look at the student athletes, the football players. Um, obviously, you know, bummed for them. Uh, I would kind of liken it too for the people, and unfortunately, some people are almost like celebrating this. I, I feel like that they're they're celebrating it for for whatever reason. I think a lot of it is. When 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 decisions like this are made and it goes quote your way like it validates your your position on stuff and like you just said a minute ago we none of us really know what's going on right we don't know what the what's the right situation we're just we're we're trying to take all the information and figure it out I feel like most of us are making it up as we go well yeah and that's you know for life in general even in non COVID years for me but <laughs> I'd say this think about if you're a a football player and uh, you put you know. It's probably the, it's for most football players. I'm gonna say most for a lot of Division One football players. It's it's more important than school for them. You know, they enjoy it more. They put more effort into it. They love it. I didn't love school. I love football. Right. I mean, that was that was my thing. That was kind of my thing. All right. Did you graduate from Harvard? I barely, but yes, okay. I did graduate. So you know, they call the guy that graduates last in that's been med a popular, school. They call him doctor. You can call me doctor. All right. That's call been me. a popular question lately. So I just that's wanted fine. to get that's that fine. out there. I did graduate. Uh, my, <laughs> my my point is this: a lot of these guys, their number one career path, the first career path that they are going to pursue, is football. You might think that's a good idea. You might think that's a bad idea. Guess what? It ain't your life. If it was my son, I'd say, son, great. You chase your dream as hard as you can. You give it everything you have. So then no matter what happens, when it's done, you can say, I gave it everything I had. And I'd say, son, get your degree. So you got a plan B, right? But I'm not going to discourage them because the odds are against them. A lot of these guys, their, their primary career choice, the first thing they're going to do out of college is try to play in the NFL. Hmm. Now, you look at what, I, I don't know what that means for seniors this year. I don't, I don't know if it's even been talked about or decided. In terms of the NCAA? Like, is the NFL draft going to, and I'm not saying these decisions should have been made. Is the NFL draft happening in April? I would imagine. I mean, okay, if, so, so, like, Trevor NFL, Lawrence, is what? Trevor Lawrence done with college football? Or is the NFL going to push the draft back and make him play? In the, how did you play in this? How would you play in the spring and then go to the NFL? Ooh. Let's talk about juniors. If I was coming back to school this year as a junior because I couldn't enter the NFL draft yet, so I had to play my junior year, now do I have to wait another year? 
when I'm technically a senior or right. do I declare? I mean, it's a mess, right? Yeah. It would, I, I liken it to this. If I wanted to be an accountant or if I wanted to be a doctor or if I wanted to be a psychologist or whatever, and the university said, you know what? Sorry, med school suspended for a year. Come back next year. I think a lot of people would be like, well, that's like, that's, that's horrible. Like how, like how can you do that? Right. I mean, that would be, a, but it's almost like we're thinking they're, well, football players. It's, I'm again. I'm generalizing, but I think the sentiment is like, well, it's just sports. Like, who cares? Granted, football is one of the most important, unimportant things in life, but it's important to a lot of people. So for the kids, I'm bummed, and because because it's this is their this is their life, this is their future. Okay. The second thing is, I mean, this is this is really unfortunate because you look at Lincoln, Nebraska, Columbus, Ohio, Happy Valley, Madison, Wisconsin, like. This is a huge economic engine for these towns. I'm not talking about just for the schools, which, by the way, obviously the schools make a lot of money on football, but for all these businesses that tangentially touch college football. Link, I mean, these, these towns exist because the university's there and because there's six football games, right? That's how they make their living done, right? Unfor- maybe in the spring. Who knows, right? Maybe. There's no, there's no guarantees. But what I, when I try to take the big picture of this and what am I – what, what am I, Matt Burke, supposed to take from this and apply to my life and as I construct my reality? I think overall, one of the things that we don't value or teach anymore in our, quote, society is taking risks. Like we have this, we have this mindset where we're, 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 we're never supposed to, to take any, any, any risks. Uh, is, is playing football during a, a COVID pandemic, is it a risk? Yeah, right. You have to, but I mean, no one's no one would force anybody to play. You could say you're going to play, you're not going to play. But instead of instead of you know, kind of, I think weighing. I'm talking generally, not just this decision. Yeah. Instead of just weighing all the pros and cons, we all we seem to always err now on the side of don't take any risks. I would say don't take gambles, but you have to take risks. Like life is risk. You, you have to figure out. You have to take risks as you go. When you get married, that's a risk. Right when you say I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with this person is a risk. Yeah. Right. You, in business, you have to take risks. You can't accomplish anything if you don't. If you think you're gonna go to college for four years and live in a quote bubble, and come out and sit at a desk for forty and work for an employer and get a gold watch and a retirement package when you're done, like that does that's not gonna happen. And so I just think generally we don't value taking risks anymore. Um. And and I think right now that's that's very evident living in this living in this COVID world. Matt Burke, at Burke Matt via Twitter. It's the Burke bit, Wednesdays 9 to noon. You know, the, the one thing for me with this is I just see, you know, Justin Fields. Yeah. He's projected as one of the top QBs in the 21, 20, 2021 draft. So he's probably not going to play in the spring. Um, the, the Why doesn't he go play now? If, if, if I'm an NCAA player and I was, you know, thinking, it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault except that a decision was made. I mean, football was the 2020 college football season was happening until yeah. it didn't. So that was taken away from me. Why wouldn't I go appeal? Why wouldn't I be a Why wouldn't I be a free agent right now and be able to go to sign with an NFL team? Ooh. Well, I don't know what the legalities are. Well, I would get a lawyer. I would get a lawyer. From the NFL standpoint, he still needed another year at the college ranks before he could enter the draft. But I have nowhere to play now. I would get an antitrust lawyer and go and go figure it out because. Yeah. What's because what's he going to do now? He was he was coming back to school to to be trained, yeah, to be coached, 
and to be able to build, prepare for the draft, build his resume, but maybe take Ohio State to uh, the promised land before doing so, and all that too. And now that now that's gone, that opportunity no longer exists. He was operating under the premise that that was available in this in this system that's been arbitrarily constructed by the NCAA and the NFL together. Mm-hmm. Okay, well now that's gone. The rules have changed. So 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 now, what do you want me to do if I'm Justin Fields, or I mean, fill, fill in the blank? Why can I not go play football now? Right. So they, but they would have to take that to court. Now, the, the thing for me though is, regardless of what Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence do, now the ACC as of now, I believe, is playing. So Trevor Lawrence and company down at Clemson. I mean, it doesn't matter because once the Ivy League canceled, we knew that the national champion this year would not be a true. Yeah. National champion, so I mean that's fine. ACCS, that's good. I mean you're gonna you'd be just to be a little asterisk next to their name. Whoever whoever raises the Wanamaker Trophy was Harvard nine man. No, we have eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got uniforms and everything. It's really that's great. Cool. No, I dig it. Yeah, uh, go Crimson. Now, not if, Crimson Tide. Thank you for not making that mistake. The uh, the the thing that I have heard a lot about from those in in the sport have said, well, if you're worried about safety. Why are you having kids potentially play from March through May and then just go turnstile on it? And now they're already trying to compete in 2021. The concept of yeah, you can't do it. Essentially, two full seasons in an eighth month. Again, period. again, short sighted. And let's talk about you know you worry about player health and safety. And I mean, yes, you have to be worried about player health and safety. But every time you step on the field, you're at risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just I'm just talking strictly from a data standpoint. I don't see college kids, particularly D1 athletes. These are not the people that are getting sick, severely sick, hospitalized in ICU or dying. Yeah. That, that that's that, that's just a fact, okay? That's just that all that is is a fact. So the risk is very very minute. And when you consider it in you can't just take it by itself. You have to look at it in the the whole context of everything. These are football players. It's what they do. Risk is a part of life. I don't see COVID really adding that much more to the equation. Excellent. Matt Burke hanging out Wednesdays 9 to noon. It is indeed the Burke bit. Uh, When we return, more football. We may continue down this line of conversation as well. Uh, But first, before we get to that, Max Fuller wants one of you to win $1,000. The Fan and Wixen Jewelers want to give you a shot to put a grand in your hand with our national cash contest. Text the keyword FUN, that's keyword FUN, to 200-200 to enter. Standard text message and data rates apply. 9 to noon will be banned. NHL hockey in the bubble during uh, 9 to noon. I know. It's Carolina and Boston tied up at 2. Didn't you become a Bruins fan when you were going to Harvard? No, not really, but I was a big Cam Neely fan because in NHL 93, he was he was pretty good. Yeah, 2-2, middle of the second period. That guy looks like a hockey coach. Unbelievable. It was like a 7- or 8-hour hockey game yesterday. The Blue Jackets and Lightning. You didn't know that hockey was going on, so I don't want to bore you with that. It happens in a bubble. It's like a, it's not real life. No, it's not real life. But as we've transitioned from one way of perceiving the pandemic to now making sure that just no one ever tests positive for it. So I have a question. The bubbles have 
kind of helped with that. Exactly. The bubbles have helped. So here's my question. Okay. It's working in the NHL. Yeah. It's working in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, didn't work in baseball. Baseball's not a bubble. They don't have a bubble. NFL. Why is a non-bubble going to work in the NFL? Oof. Like, did the NFL? I don't. I mean, I I don't read a lot. I have trouble reading. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I'm not up to date on a lot of things. But did the NFL come out with some NFL immunity vaccine that they gave the players that I didn't know about? Because like a super special secret. Yeah, like Ooh. just take this pill and you know take the blue one and don't say anything because yeah. right now they've been there for a couple. They're in a bubble right now. Yeah. Training, training camp's a bubble. They're not playing football right now. You're lifting weights. You're 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 running routes on air. You're uh, you're meeting socially distanced. Yep. If you get within six feet of somebody, you have a, a wristband where it 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 vibrates to let you know you're too close to another human being. Oh yeah. When we start playing football, how is there not going to be a spike in COVID? Well, I think don't you have? I think you wear wristbands on the field too. Because if 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 the new rules are you you have to block somebody standing six feet away from them, I'm in. I am. I think in. you could still play. I tried that a few times, and they're the old rules. Didn't work real well, but if that's the new rules, I'm in. Well, you know, and and that's the that's the biggest question. So in Major League Baseball, you know, and and, and this is yeah, Major League Baseball lasted what three days before the Marlins got bit. Yeah, and then the Cardinals the very next week, and they've postponed a bunch of games. Baseball, of course, playing nearly every day. And baseball was it was already kind of like a. I don't want to say a joke to begin with, but we're going to cram a 60-day season down your throats real quick. It was sort of like, like okay, the Cardinals are basically eliminated. Like they're the when you went to the playground, they're the kid that had to go home early because they had a dentist appointment or something. Like you're like, Correct. okay, Cardinals, you're out. Yeah, Marlins, we're not going to make up your games. We say we are, but we're not. You can't in the NFL. What are you going to do like week two if a, if an outbreak happens? Well, then a ton of players are out. You're you're rescheduling a game. No, Maybe no, no, you no, no. Cancel no, no. a game. When do you? How do you reschedule a game in the NFL? Well, that's exactly that's the crux of yeah. it. Yeah. How do you cancel a game? You get to the end of the season and Vikings are eleven and five. Packers are eleven and four. Packers win. Expanding rosters. I could do that. Owners aren't. Everyone's already going to be losing a ton of money. You're not going to bring on more players that you have to pay to to increase your losses. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I just want to make sure I'm not missing something that the the magic vaccine didn't didn't was not the developed and administered while I was asleep. You're not. You're not missing anything. Okay. That's the that's the the faith element into this from a from if you're if you're the eternal optimist, you're hoping that hope Kirk Cousins wears a hazmat suit to and from TCO. Every it's not day. just Kirk. It's everybody, right? It's not it, just it Kirk Cousins. Everybody. You can't lose half the O-line for two you can, weeks. You can, and you know what? I have no no doubt that the facilities are the cleanest places in the world. To the point where the guy that set up the protocol program at TCO, uh, TCO was in fact infected with the virus. That's my point. Yeah. Like if I was playing, I'd be Any all... Any of us I'd, can get it. I'd be all you know, fresh and clean at work, and then I go home and I've got... You know, kids drooling on me and spitting, and I'm I'm wiping up poop, and you know, yeah, like it's it's a different world out there. You still do that? Unfortunately, I do. Day to day basis. Oh my gosh! No, and that's so that's you know, kind of the striking philosophical differences between whether it was the Big Ten that canceled it. Um, we've heard the same questions asked of the SEC, who are pushing forward. We believe we have healthy and safe protocols for our kids, so we're going to play. And with the NFL. 
you know, the I, th- I think it's always been, man, it's always been since March. And, well, more so into the summertime, once these leagues actually had to start making decisions, was how are you going to deal with the inevitability of a positive test and what are the fans going to think? So, you know, at, at one point, if the NFL truly wanted to not miss any games on the schedule, get all the TV cash, what they'd have to say is they would treat a positive test of the virus just like somebody that had the flu. Yeah, he's he's out for practice Thursday because he tested positive. But we're going to test him again Friday and Saturday, and if, you know, if he's non-symptomatic, if he's feeling okay, then we're going to we're going to let him in there. And I I just don't see how that's going to happen. Can't happen. The uproar would be tremendous. It's like almost if you had some kind of pandemic-proof schedule. Oh. You know, and, and and also like if if in the pandemic-proof schedule, you'd actually make more money on TV. What's that? Cut cut the hmm. amount of home games for teams, which which is actually a good thing because every home game is a loss. Yeah. So a pandemic-proof schedule that would actually increase profits. If only something like that existed, that'd be incredible. Um, what is the pandemic-proof schedule, Matt Burke? Well, you can go to supersquares.com and ah, see it, are. but uh, essentially it is a way to guarantee that the NFL season starts and that it finishes in February, not before that. Um, uh, it's it's a, it's the, the basic premise is that instead of playing every week, teams play every 11 to 14 days. And so knowing that there will be positive tests, but uh, also knowing that if you do po- test positive under this calendar, you will miss one game versus three. Yeah, there's also is a mini bubble. You go into a bubble two days before a game and stay in it two days after. So you have a five day encampment period or a bubble where mm. theoretically only healthy players are entering and exiting the bubble. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You can read all about it on SuperSquares.com. Has the has the league seen this? They have. Do we know what their thoughts are on it? I think that they were quite intrigued because I do think that. Um, uh, I guess I would say the, the the sharing was really only one way. It was it was we created this for them, you know, to to take, to look at, to punch holes in, to Do modify. What they might. I'm not selling this thing. Right. Uh, we're not selling it to anybody. Uh, but uh, I did not ask the question as to like what is what is Plan B. I understand Plan A, and we're you're doing Plan A till you're not. You know, Plan yep. A till you're not. I'm just I'm I'm kind of the where the birth of the pandemic proof schedule came from was nobody's talking about a plan B. Yeah. I mean, even in the world of sports talk and internet, I don't see anybody talking about plan B. And it's like, how do you think like we, we kind of saw this movie with baseball and we kind of, there's just so much we don't know that you have to be, I think you have to be proactive. You can't say, well, when this happens, we're going to do, we can do this and no, no, like it's not when it's 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 not if it's when, so it's going to happen. So why not come up with a really creative solution? And, and I I feel like especially now that college football is canceled, uh, I feel like if you have less games, uh, space them out a little bit more. Now you got flexibility into Saturdays as well. You've got flexibility, but you've also got a chance to you add extra time slots for games, meaning that now you can get uh, a bigger cumulative audience over the course of a year. My point is this. On Sunday at noon, 40 million people watch NFL football. The biggest, quote, problem for the NFL is they have six or seven games at noon on Sundays. If you only had three games at noon, how many people would watch football? 
I don't think it'd be forty million, but I think it'd be probably thirty. Let's say it's 30. thirty-five because you know what? We all watch the Vikings, right? Yeah, football. We all watch, so that's three hours of football a week. But we watch a lot of football that's not the Vikings. True, true. Well, the, and to the point that you made a while back, if you think about it, you watch more football that doesn't include your favorite team. It's the one sport. Where I'm watching three thirty game. I'm watching Al and Chris at night. I'm watching sometimes with the sound off, but I'm getting Monday night football. And then Thursday night, we're inundated with it, but we watch it all. When Jacksonville's playing Miami on Thursday night, you're watching. Yeah. You're watching. You are. And so I think they, there's a huge opportunity for the NFL. Again, you're, you're going to every home game, every game you're losing money at the gate. Your local revenues are going to be a loss this year. Hmm. So reduce the number of home games you have. Add extra time slots. Reduce the number of games at noon on Sunday. Uh... I think you. I think I. I think it's very. I, I'm. I'm happy to. I love talking about this stuff. I'm happy for someone to show me where our thinking is wrong. But I think you're actually your your audience goes up. I think your TV revenues go up. I think you can pay the players for at least ten games, maybe for playing more this year. And and here's the beauty of it too. Going forward, the salary cap now. We're, they're talking about spreading out this hit. Yeah. From this year, from playing a sixteen game schedule and paying players what they're contract says they're talking about spreading this out over the next three years on the salary cap players ain't going to go for that no but 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 it is a rev share model so what's what's i don't i really don't know why they wouldn't adopt something like this pandemic proof schedule from a health and safety standpoint from a almost guarantee that you're not going to have to stop the season and once it stops it's over that you're going to that you're going to have a complete season and from the economic standpoint, it makes sense. You know, I'm glad that you brought up the economic portion of it because just thinking about, you know, how teams plan, you know, there was there were reports prior to any pandemic that the 2021 salary cap may jump as much as 20 to 30 million dollars because of the new TV deal and all of those things. Well, I think it's going down and is going to stay flat for as you mentioned, like the next 3 years and they're trying to rake those losses back in over the next 3 to 5. But when you plan via contracts, like let's say a guy like Kirk Cousins, or if you're trying to make a deal for Dalvin Cook right now, those sorts of things, you're doing long play to either front load or back load these deals mm-hmm. so that you can keep high-end players. And in some ways, like the Big Ten is doing, pushing a problem down the road to deal with in the future uh, and to review later, that's going to screw a lot of teams that just signed some guys to some ridiculous contracts. Absolutely, and the headache for for everybody because the here's the thing: the league and the PA they're partners. Whether they want to admit it or not, they're married. You know, they're partners, and they want the same thing. Well, I think better than most. I think you know it's always seemed contentious, and I don't know how much of that is theater and no, it's yeah, contentious. It is. It is contentious. With D and and Roger and, yeah, and everything, which it's, it's never made sense because they want the same thing. Yeah. Right, but they think that they're adversaries. They're not. But where the problem is going to lie is the NFLPA. I think is notorious for they're they're one of the only unions in existence that really, I think, I don't want to say has to, but they really cater towards the top of their constituency. Ah, uh, where okay. most unions protect the bottom. Yeah. So if I'm Dalvin Cook. Or whoever, and I'm about to get paid in free agency. And Ezekiel Elliott two years ago got this, and I'm better, and it's two years later, so I should get that plus 25%. And now you're telling me, 
actually you're going to get less because uh, the salary cap for the next three, four years is going to be flat or down. Now you've got star players not happy. Yeah. And that's a headache for the PA. And then they take that headache to the league. And it could get very interesting. And, you know. But don't you think that the, 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 the other end of that is a situation like baseball, where baseball has had union issues where they've tried so hard to protect lower salaried players. At one point, they wanted Mike Trout to take like a $26 million pay cut this year so that they could make sure that the guy making six hundred grand could still make 80% of his wages. You know, the, the weird balance, the, the existence of the union, obviously the idea of it is sacred because now you have representation and negotiating opportunities yeah. and, and the organization of it in totality where how are you going to get 2,000 players together and sit down with, for a meeting with the owners? That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But in the same sense, you know, trying to find that balance, I've always thought that the NFL has done better than that than most, despite maybe out in public kind of looking as volatile as it can be. Uh, I would, it depends on how you look at it. From a player standpoint, uh, baseball union, much stronger. Basketball union, I mean, the basketball union basically runs the NBA. Adam Silver has no power. Yeah, I the mean, players. And, and he knows it. Yeah. He, and he knows it. He does whatever the players want. Well, he, and so he just takes So He's more of an ambassador to the game. He's a yes man. <laughs> he's a yes man for LeBron James and Chris Paul. Um, so fr- from that standpoint, no. Uh, but at the end of the day, the NFL, you have the largest number of players. You have the shortest careers. I mean, you, you're, you're dealing with thousands, of, I mean, essentially thousands of players. I mean, yeah. retired players, all this. And so, yeah, you're never going to please everybody. You're not going to ver- please very many people. Everybody's going to have to compromise what they think they should get or what they think that they should, they should have. Um, but because of that, too, yes, the NFL is a $15, $16 billion a year machine. Uh, but if they if they don't make if they make ten billion this year, the six billion's coming out of somebody's pocket, and the owners ain't going to take the hit, the the entire hit. The players ain't going to take the entire hit. Nobody's going to want to take their quote fair share if it's a fifty fifty agreement, which essentially is what it is. The players don't want to take half. The owners don't want to take half. Uh, how do you spread that around? How do players? How do you spread that around the players? Do you do you cut retired players? Do you do, do the, I mean, it's 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 a mess. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you if there was a solution that you could, it's like a band aid, right? We could rip the band aid off this year, guy. If I, I'm just saying, I'm oversimplifying. Hey guys, we play ten games, get you paid for ten games, we move forward, salary caps going up next year, everything's good, assuming the pandemic's behind us. We good? Or if we're gonna if we're gonna take this band aid and just go real slow and make it last for for three or four years, and it's gonna get really really messy. Um, I would I would opt for option A. Absolutely. A uh, couple more for you here. You know, bringing it back to college football, the thing that I worry about is if they're unable to play in the spring, the Big Ten. Yeah. Now I'm worrying about the sports programs that are not named football. Sure. And but the but the thing is, then then this transitions to the biggest meal ticket for any university, which is its student base, which means tuition, which means yeah. fees which means they're knocking on the doors of boosters trying to recoup cash, and it's three years from now, save men's tennis. Yeah. And it's, you know, then it then it's that, that, that build-it-up fundraising aspect where ultimately the, the, the students are the ones that are hurt the biggest by this, and then, you know, the student-athletes who, yeah. you know, love get, getting that opportunity to play, even if it's a non-revenue bit, 
uh, there are losers in it as well. This is what I thought for college, and I'll just be very frank. Uh, I'm not very loquacious. Do you like that word, loquacious? I like loquacious. I graduated. PA uses it a lot. Yeah, that's where I learned it from. Pasadena City College. Right. Dropout. Um, I thought for college, right? College is a little bit different. I don't want to. I'm going to say it like this: they don't have as many rights as NFL players, right? I mean, the NCAA. You're, you're a college kid. You're on scholarship. Yeah, you're you're a kid, right? You're still yeah. you're still a kid. I don't care if you're 18 and you can vote and whatever. You're a kid. Listen, you're told to be at school at a certain time. You go to these classes. You go to practice. I mean, your your day you are managed, right? Your your meat is being cut for you. So, in college, I always thought it would be way easier to have a bubble, and especially on campuses where you have don't have as many students or any students, it would be very easy to put student athletes in a bubble. And say, look, for four months, three months, four months, August, September, October, four months, we're going to go into a bubble. You come out of the bubble, you go home for Thanksgiving, you know, do your deal, whatever. Come back. Now we've got five weeks till bowling. Come back. We'll test everybody. We'll quarantine those and play and play the season. And I think it could have been done from sport to sport to sport, where cross country might not yes. require the same type right. of bubble that the football program. You're not going to bubble NFL players for five or six months, but I think no. I, I think you could. For college student athletes, I think it'd be easy to do. Uh, I don't think it logistically would be hard. I think they'd yeah. go for it, uh, and for the sole purpose of playing for the revenue for the TV money. So these universities do have. I mean, let's face it, we're talking about tens of millions, or in like the SEC, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, that's j- j- for just the TV money and the bowl money, and that money goes into the not only the athletic department but the whole general operating fund at a university, which means. Lower tuition for everybody, lower taxes for everybody in that state if it's a state university. And that's the ripple effect of canceling the season. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. I, I look at it where, A, we don't feel like we know more than we did in March, which worries me, five, six months well, later. But, and, that, and that's nobody's fault. That, that's, this, vi- that's, this, re- this virus is what it is, yes. But, the, but if, we're, if we're using the logic of health and safety now, and I would, I'm going to project that there is not a grand scale vaccine in February or March. If you're using that logic now, you got to use that in March, yep. which means then you're probably not playing games in March. And then, you know, what do you need to see? That's, that's, yep. and, and the, the medical experts that, that differ on a fundamental basis in terms of what they believe, you know, as you mentioned, the acceptable risk that people are willing to take or should be able to take. Should I say should be able to take, right? Yeah. Because it's their life, it's their body, it's their career, it's it's them, right? Nobody's gonna force nobody's forcing NFL players to play. Nobody's talking about forcing college kids to play. But I would say to me that fundamentally is is a great point. Where you know, where do people get to individually make the decision for themselves to say, yes, I will opt in and take the risk, or no, I, I'll, I'm going to opt out and not take it. And either way is fine. Either way is absolutely fine. But I, to your point about health and safety, I think it's a great one, which and you'd just love to, you'd love to be a fly on the wall and make sure that they talked about it was, okay, so we're going to play in the spring, wraps up June 1, and then guess what, guys? Welcome back seven weeks later. We're starting the 2021 season now. <laughs> there ain't, ain't a doctor alive that's going to say, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good for football players. Yeah. No, not that's, a chance. That's awful. The yeah. ability to rehab and all of those things, and you know, again, just wrapping it up, and I, I love when you come in studio, I'm watching these bubbles. 
And the bubbles are working. The bubbles are working. And whether it's... They're not a lot of fun. The NBA, yeah, there's not as much fun. But you know what? That's life sometimes, right? You're getting paid on the 1st and the 15th. We're watching sports. Well, Well, you are. I'm not. Well, it's it's the great escape for many of us. And uh, for those that want to compete, in some ways, uh, that's been taken away from them in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Uh, but, of course, is the standard disclaimer for everything. We want people to be healthy. And, and okay, this, yes. Uh, yes to all that, and go ahead and at me after I say <laughs> this. But there's a the thing. By definition, sp- okay, sports are play. And by definition, play has to meet a couple criteria. Okay. Is, is, and this, this, is like, this is scientific. It has to be fun. Did this come from Harvard? It has to be outside the realm of our everyday lives. Fun, okay. And it's something that we get lost in. Ooh. I mean, sports, like professional sports, the roots, it's play. It's kids playing, right? It is, yes. They, they're not aware of being watched. Or anything. They're, they're free, right? And so that's why, as fans, that's why we love sports. Because we want to get lost in it. This oh, is yeah. not, we don't get this every day, right? Sunday football. This is different. This is, a, this is an escape, a break, whatever you want to call it. I want to get lost. I want to get caught up in this. And that's where at the end, like, we need that so badly right now. And that's why it's just all that more unfortunate when... A day comes and they cancel something else. We are bummed. We're going to make it, though, Nordo. Yes, we are. We're going to make it, baby. Let's go. Uh, at Burke Matt. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't uh, do that. I've been getting in trouble on the Twitter. No, don't don't do that. No, trust me. I've been getting the text You're, you're killing me. The uh, I'll tell you this. The mob is killing me. Bradshaw and Brian inbox. Largely positive. No way. Yes, largely positive. I knew today was going to be a great Wasn't day. Wasn't it a good day? Holy I knew it. No, I got a couple uh, five minutes in. Here we go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, well, you just said that, so here they come. Here yeah. comes the mob. Thanks. But, uh, but largely positive, and for me, it was all positive. And uh, every Wednesday, uh, 11 a.m. hour, typically, Burke is in studio. And next week, we're going to be looking at camp. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Like real-life football players? I think we're looking at like football players like going through drills and stuff. I heard we have to be socially distanced like a quarter mile away. We're going to be on one of those scissor lifts with like extra strong binoculars. Yeah. Trying to figure out if the if the guard was supposed to get up to the backside linebacker or the tackle. It's going to be a mess. Get your LASIK done. I did, and I can see just fine. Uh, thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank Matt you. Matt Burke, final segment. Mask. Final segment, short on time, but uh, I want to thank you, Max, for participating in Stump the Snob this morning. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, I, even though I I uh, didn't score that many points. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. You are great, and I love you. You were hideous in that game. Yeah. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't very good. I, I, so, I got most of the boxing questions, though. No, that, that's, that's cool. When I text you and I say... Um, Hey, Max, you know, here's the deal. Saucy's on vacation. Uh, PA is, is I don't know what PA is doing, but he's not here. Uh, we're going to play this weekly sports trivia bit called Stump the Snob. I need to know what you know the most about. And you said, you know, boxing. You said hoops. You know, and, and so when I specifically tailor the questions, the whole goal was to somebody uh, chop down at the, the ego and the greatness of Corey Cove just once on a platter. First round Wolves picks. From Pooh all the way through Culver. Yeah. I thought that was your wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I messed up. I had I, I had a bunch of the names, but I messed up solely for to make the joke about Nikola Pekovic, not even thinking he wasn't in the first round. So that's what I get for trying to be a funny guy. No, that's all that's all good, man. Uh but thank you so much, whether it was to Kyle Brandt from the NFL network, Marty and, and Corey for Stump the Snob, uh Dan Hayes, MLB Network. 
uh, or excuse me, The Athletic covers the Twins in Major League Baseball. Daryl Thompson and Justin Gard on on the the topic that I covered with Burke for a large part of this final hour here was, you know, what uh, the the implications of the college season uh, being canceled for Big Ten and Pac-12 fall sports, and is it relevant or applicable or possible uh, to just think that the the spring is immediately in the mix? But uh, but thank you to Burke and all of those for covering it. That's going to be more of it tomorrow as well. Fargo Flash around 9.15. Uh, get his idea on it and how to move forward. He's not only you know been with the program and close to the program for a long time, but on the high school end of it, he's got kids whose potential senior seasons and opportunities moving forward, all of that uh, is in flux right now. And then uh, Pete Bursich, you know, the cool thing is, I'm excited about it, and I don't know what form or fashion it's going to come in, but on Monday, uh, camp coverage, 9 to noon, camp coverage on the fan, your home for Vikings football, is uh, is officially kicking off. So getting some thoughts from Mr. Bursich, Ben Lieber's weekly appearance, and so much more. Please get a victory tonight, Twins, and uh, we can talk positively about that uh, tomorrow. But uh, coming up next, I believe it's the common man, Dan Cole. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Thanks to Max. And thank you for listening to The Fan. Podcast today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFAN.com.